All right, we are here for Domcast episode 68. And we are with two of my good friends right now. And I don't know how to introduce you band-wise because I feel like this is now Double Vision. There's two names I have to announce now. Well, besides your own, Austin Busby. What up? Andrew Bauer. Hey. And y'all are here for Black Martin Club, which is the last podcast we did. Mm-hmm. It was. And y'all have a show coming up. Yes, August 31st at 502 Bar. I will definitely be there, so you can expect yourself to be there as well. Uh, and it's going to be a great time. 502 Bar is awesome. Shout out Jim Meek. And shout out everyone over at 502. It's always a great time, never a bad one. And so y'all, is so this show's coming up, right? And y'all haven't played together in a minute? Since... M- South by Southwest of 2018 was yeah. our last show. So oh, it's been a minute. Yeah, March, so March of, of last 2018. Year. It's been a year and a half. All right. So this is ready to fucking. Yeah. But like the crazy thing is this show has been three months in the making. So it's been just planning ever since then. Almost so, like a wedding. Dude, it, it doesn't completely seem real yet to me because three months ago we were just like, yeah, okay, we're going to play a show in three months. Okay, cool. But now it's coming all together, and it's like, am I actually going to play a show again? Because <laughs> that's how <laughs> it long... It feel real right now? It, it kind of doesn't, because I've been pretty detached from music altogether. Like, I just needed a break. So now, to know that it's one week away, and that's actually happening, I can't completely understand it yet. Question. Yeah. When did you... Stop growing a mustache and start growing a beard. Uh, I mean, your mustache yeah. is majestic. But yeah, m- the mustache I've had since I believe my mustache's birthday, uh, meaning the last time I shaved my mustache was September 20th of 2012. So I've had what? Yeah, I've had <laughs> I've had a mustache for that long. That's like, that's when it grew from the roots up. Oh yeah. my God! Yeah, and that was what it's it, 2019. Yeah, yeah that's He's right. He won awards with it. Oh yeah, it I, used I to did. be like big, and he would do the the wax and. Well, the, I, yeah. I've seen pictures of that. Yeah, but uh, right now that's why I asked you. I didn't know yeah. it was gonna be like you just haven't even trimmed it. Well, oh yeah, I have to trim it. Um, it, it is definitely oh, it's original root growth. It's, yeah, it's it's root stock. I've had hair on my upper lip for that long, so. Um, to his girlfriend's chagrin. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to shave the beard for the show? Probably not. Um, one of the... Okay. I'll, Are you I'll trying just, to win a beard competition now? I'm not. No. Um, if you got offered. Well, I mean, would I compete? Maybe. But I do need I need to clean this up a little bit. So, hmm. but... Do you use oils? Yeah, I actually do use beard oil. I've been pretty into that. Uh, it just makes What's it all soft. What's that all about? Uh, it just makes it soft. It's easier to kind of comb through, and it just really tames it. Is that it tames your face? stragglers, like <laughs> yeah. the little straggler hair? Yeah. yeah, I have that. Because like beard hair is Punch super. Down. Yeah, it's super coarse hair. Yeah, mine's so, like wiry. Yeah, and when you have a good amount of length of a beard, like you need to tame that and put some oil in it or something to kind of weigh it down and kind of straighten it out and relax it a little mm. bit. So that's where beard oil really comes in. So when you started doing mustaches, though. For real. Yeah. Competitions? Well, it was never intended for a competition or anything or really to compete. 
it really started out as a joke. I don't even know if we went over this last time, but yeah, it started as, as a joke um, for Halloween because I wanted to be Lieutenant Dangle from Reno 911, and I did it, but we I wanted talk, to... We did not talk about okay, this. Okay, cool. We didn't even talk about this off mic. Because I needed, uh, I needed the cop stash for the costume, and I actually grew a mustache specifically for that reason. And then you were like, damn. Wait, tell me if I'm wrong, if I remember this correctly. Did you dress up as him during a show? Yeah, because and our, nobody else did. Okay, because it was our second show. <laughs> so it was our he's wearing second the short shorts. Yeah, I actually found that costume at a Halloween store. <laughs> like he dressed so you showed up with the little short shorts and everything. Yeah, like the the whole costume, whole shebang, man. And none of the rest of us were not. <laughs> I think I still have all. that costume dude, somewhere. You know who the most committed person in the band is, right yeah. there, dude. Yeah. So committed, I, dude. I remember that was our second show ever or first actual venue show because the first one was at a co-op, and that was a lot of fun. Like that was that was, in Austin? Yeah, is that uh, an the Austin 21st co-op. 21st and Pearl? Uh, I don't remember oh the name of the co-op. Dude, I, that I don't know. was the co-op that... Dude, that show was a riot, though. I um, believe it. It was one of my favorite shows I've ever played because that was like the start of everything. And it's, Yeah, that's a, that was yeah. the best way to do it, for yeah. sure. Uh, but a first actual idea venue... was to book the co-op. Uh, Zach's. Yeah, probably Zach because we had a friend that lived in a co-op and we had been there before and it was just kind of the right atmosphere that we wanted. So everyone, like there was no rules because it's not an actual venue. So everyone just brought beers. Absolutely, man. Everyone was just guitar solos like out in the crowd. Yeah. There's, oh, yeah. there's still a picture. Like yeah, there's still a picture of Andrew uh, where he's playing like a guitar solo and just people are all around him, like right up front. So it was just on the floor of their living room. So and it was packed, too. <laughs> yes, dude. That's a rock star. That's yeah. a super rock star move. There was a band. They just stopped playing a band called Booty Feet. I don't know yeah, if you've heard of them, but they did, had this spring. They like they got really going pretty quick and they would do this string of house shows. And the videos looked wild, like small size wise, yeah. but just rowdy. Just because everybody's right there. It's all loud. It's all fun. And that's kind of how our first one was. And that was, just, that was just the best way to start it. And then we got into a, a groove where we were playing like all the time. You know, when new bands start and they'll play like twice a week and stuff because we were mm-hmm. young. We didn't have jobs or other things to do and everything. Um, but now that's why he was talking about it's going to be so weird for us playing because not only have we not played in that long, we have not really rehearsed that much uh, together. We've all kind of played on our own and our other things because we do other stuff. Um, but it's going to be interesting. And Zach's not even here. He's in L.A. So we haven't yeah, even I know. jammed how's, with so How's that working right well, now? Well, I mean, that was the main reason why the band kind of um, disbanded in the first place. Uh, because Zach got a really good opportunity to go uh, take this transfer to L.A., and he just wanted to change a pace and get out of San Antonio. I don't just, blame him. That's a nice yeah. little ride, dude. Yeah. So, like, uh, it, we're all really supportive of what he's doing. Um, so, and I think, uh, I don't know about everyone else as much as me, but for me, um, I think that it was time to move on uh, just to change it up. Um, I personally feel like I really needed a break from music, but I didn't completely know how to ask for that because, like, once, once the – everything gets and once it gets going and you don't know how to stop it like you can't just say hey i want to take a break and have like and have the rest of the band say okay we're going to stop too so uh work was getting kind of crazy at the time um and i was taking on more responsibility 
And I've been doing it for so long, and it's kind of the same, same constantly that I just needed a break. I was also um, with another group, um, and uh, I eventually kind of lost contact with them. So I was going from being in two bands to being in no bands, like over, uh, just about overnight. Oh, that's like coming off a of, yeah. That's it, like, dude, that's an, like a whole change of pace. Yeah, in my entire life. Yeah, especially because. I've been playing music. That'd be like me bartending at two different spots and then wake up in the morning and I have to go to an office job. Yeah. And that was kind of what what it felt like. like. Um, I don't even know what I was. And I've been playing music since I was nine or 10. So like for the vast majority of my life, I have played music or I've had either like like a band like this or I, I did uh band through middle school and high school and all that so i'd always been involved this, in music in some way this might be a weird question i want both of y'all's view on it is this a coming together reunion show or is this a coming together to end it show or is this a coming together to hey we'll play a couple you know that's days. a good question um i don't i don't think it's the end um we never decided that it would be an end we didn't even say that we were going to do a hiatus it was just kind of understood when zach left because he's such a focal part yeah, of the, the whole band. thing he's but not without only zach would fall apart yeah he's not only the he's our ringleader he's our manager literally and he's also the other guitarist so uh it's original not, member with yourself uh yes and busby um yeah, so and this it, is the core right here so it's not like something where we can just replace him with somebody that would fill the shoes also we were at a point where we were not we were just kind of burning out playing shows. We weren't writing new stuff and everything mm. and stuff. So we got kind of into that. But so it actually ended up being a very big blessing in disguise that we all kind of got to take a breather, miss it a little bit. And he just hit us up randomly and was like, hey, guys, I want to do another show. But it's not like I want it to be our last one. We're trying to make this one really big and really fun. It's I gonna think be it's really going to be big. Yeah. It's going to be dope. It's not the end. I can tell you that uh, when we would play something else, I don't know. Um, I don't think any of us have any idea when. We logistically can't play as often as we used to because he lives in California. And he's not moving back. Like, he's he's gotten established he's there. He's settled there. Well, it, I don't know that. I shouldn't speak for him, but he's living his best life out there. Like okay. He's, he's, no, no, he's, he's having he's a good doing time. his thing, he's, yeah. He's doing California and the living's easy. And he's been there over a year now. And um, If you can make you know, it one year in California, I'm pretty sure you're going to be able to be all right. Yeah, I know he has like a two-year contract for his current job to stay out there because um, there's a transfer within the company he's working for. Um, I don't know what he's going to do next. Um, if he does decide to come back to San Antonio for whatever reason, um, I think it's pretty reasonable to suspect that we could play more shows and maybe on some level get back together as a band. I will say that it won't be at the same rate as we played before because at this point, everyone, I mean, if we weren't tied up with whatever we were doing before, we definitely are now. Yeah. So uh, everyone's got more responsibility in their jobs. Uh, that was everyone they're growing up. That, yeah. That, unless you're not on the road during your 20s touring, yeah. like, you literally you just grow up. Yeah, so everyone grows up, and you uh, just, I mean, in, I talked to Jason Harari about this. Yeah, talking about being like twenty-eight years old, coming home from the road after doing like Oasis and all this, all yeah. these different tours and shit. And he was like, "I didn't know how to shop for myself." He was like, "The very first time I went to HEB after the road, he was like, I bought like Oreos. He was like, I just bought a bottle of wine, a six pack of weird beer. He's like, I just went to HEB and I bought shit I never had on the road." He was like, and then when I showed up, my girlfriend at the time was like, oh, I'm speaking for Jason. 
but you can always look at the episode. But anyways, uh, he was like, dude, she was confused. She got pissed. He was like, my girlfriend was so pissed. He's like, you spent this much money and this is all you brought back. She's yeah, like, this is normal. What are we going to eat? And he's like, we can, we can eat the Oreos and watch TV and drink this wine. She's like, what are you talking about? Like we need actual food. Like, we need three squares a day. He wasn't used to like basically civilian lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Because it's night and day. And then if you have a if you have a family, it's just totally different. Like, oh yeah. Tour life. Um, it is so hard to stay healthy on tour life because you're literally. That's like, also true. You have a little one. You have a family. Yeah, two now. Two. Just had a boy three months ago. Amazing. Again, congratulations. Thank you. But now you think about your health. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've always heard health and wealth is like what you should cheers to someone or something. Yeah, I was telling this to it somebody. It makes sense that your health is what you got to think about now. Yeah, if when you have kids, the three things I'm going to teach my son as a dad is you need to protect your family, you need to provide for your family, and you need to take all the grocery bags in the house in one trip. <laughs> Most important things. That's true. You're That's not true. rocking to be three trips like you got enough wimpy, hands now. Wimpy Let's people. go. Just load them up. <laughs> yep. I was a little soldier for my parents when they were gro- when we were growing up. Yeah. Definitely. It scares me the thought of having a child myself, but everyone's like, I know that I would be a badass dad. I know it. Because I had a badass dad. Like, I still, I, I, I don't say I, I had, I do have a badass dad. So I love him. So I know I would be a dope one. And there's like a part of me that kind of wants kids, but I made it this far now. I'm like, do you really want that though? Do you really? It changes you a lot. It does. And it's like a change. I don't think I'm ready for yet. Maybe I'm just being the Peter Pan kid. Yeah. Maybe like I can't imagine having like a one, like a kid right now. I'd be 40 with a 10 year old. Oh man. When you do the numbers game like that, but then I'm like old. Yeah, it will make you feel old, but now my boy, one of my other boys, Brian Merriman, which I'll shout out his name because it's not a bad story. He's got an amazing wife and awesome family. But, like, he just keeps pumping babies out. He's on his third right now. And he's been working since he's 19. He had his first one when he was 19. Dang, slow down there, Chief. That's why I keep telling him. He, how old is he now? Same age, 30. See, that's not that bad. We were. I, my wife was doing the math the other day. No. My, my daughter is going to be class of... 2032 <laughs> and, my, and my son is my son is to gonna be class of 2037 oh man that's crazy and just saying that out loud i was like oh man then old. you start being like yeah let's fix the amazon <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> that stuff honestly does, that, that stuff bothers me, me off, a lot dude it's pissing me off right now because the 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 way that all that stuff compounds exponentially oh, yeah. it's gonna be in the next decade and a half oh, yeah. that it's going to get to the point where and, and you can't when you have bring, kids that that was the biome of the most species on earth is in the amazon like i don't know if that's i'm pulling bro science out right now but i mean i grew up with a primatologist as an aunt and a grandma who taught biology i watched but we didn't have cable so i watched national geographic videos and i grew up watching this i know that the amazon has more species per like a square foot than anywhere else on the entire planet, and now it's got like most of it's done. I mean, not only that, but it's a giant filter uh, to kind of like oh, take carbon out dioxide a, yeah. and all that. Yeah, it produces most oxygen for yeah. the entire damn world. Literally, my f- my five year old daughter knows that. 
Like literally mm-hmm. she was saying that the other day, like I was looking at something and all the trees are burning and stuff. And God. she knows because we've gone through maybe five years old and seeing trees in the Amazon. On fire. Well, we've gone. Can you imagine that being our age? I can't like I just can't. Unfathomable. We go through you Trump as your president. Sweet Jesus. We go through hikes uh, through different parks and stuff every once in a while. And I've told her like trees makes oxygen and humans need oxygen. And then we make carbon dioxide and trees soak that up and everything. So she understands all of that. And she saw that. And she, five years old, understands what that means. That's awesome. And like, there's people that are adults that don't understand. People, That's going to ruin our oxygen supply. People have shafted me on my fish before. Like, I've taken, like, pulled my fish out and taken pictures of them real quick, right? And they're like, oh my God, they're going to die. I'm like, oh my God, they breathe oxygen. You fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be all right. That's a whole nother level of some people, like, they, they can't wrap their mind around it. I don't know, dude. And I have arguments with grown-ass adults about the fact of me pulling. And I was like, this is why the internet, you don't argue. If you put yourself out there, you're going to get people are going to shaft you and go at Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I mean, you're fair game. Yeah. And I made myself fair game by doing mm-hmm. that, right? So, fuck. Yeah. What are you going to do? That's amazing, though. And we need to... There needs to actually be, like, actual millionaires and billionaires... It's only we're going to change it. The yeah. common man is not going to have enough money to actually make a difference for that. Yeah. Like my grandmother who raised me essentially, dude, has been donating to the Amazon relief program since I was like eight years old. Yeah. That's a long time. And she's done it her whole life. She had, she can't stop the fires. Well, the indi- you saw the indigenous people won that lawsuit. No. Right before all this happened. The indigenous indigenous natives of the okay, Amazon yeah, won that. a lawsuit where they got to protect a lot of it, it and then, yeah. ironically, just you gotta wonder. Yeah. Come on. No, I'll, I'll put my tinfoil hat on right now. I know it's all. That's why no one stopped indi- it. I think it's it the beef industry. Ten, or almost fourteen days before it hit American. Like, if you had Reddit or something, you knew it was happening. Yeah. But if you didn't have like Reddit or you didn't have like a good news source of something, mm-hmm. I'm not saying Reddit's the best news source, but could it's a little bit of everything. It's honest. It is. It's and that that's like that's a big achievement for any source of news these days. And that that's why like it was burning for over almost two weeks and no one in America was even talking about it. We're talking about guns and shit. I mean, even if you look at uh the, the riots in uh uh what is it, Hong Kong right now? Oh yeah. Yeah, like that's a big They're thing. Taking down, but- uh, the facial recognition towers. Yeah, and this is a huge deal. Um, but you're not seeing a lot of coverage for that. Nope. Uh, so they're literally trying to fight the Chinese government. Which they should. Yeah, I agree. Things totalitarianism. Yeah. Essentially. Um, I mean, this is what I, I learned. I remember when I was taking government. One of my uh, teachers was like, buy Chinese money. He was like, just, get, just start transferring your extra money into yen. It's like right now it's capped. He was teaching us how like the economy worked over there and how they could suppress their money at a monetary. They could suppress their value of their money, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, there's going to come a point which we're at now, which he told me like a decade ago, but we're at that point now. He was not lying, where it's going to have to inflate with everything else, and then you can get rich overnight. Yeah, he was literally buying yen right now, like at pennies of the dollar. And then when this whole thing breaks, every dollar is going to be worth like a hundred, you know, it's yeah, because it's not going to be suppressed anymore. And then you have that yen underneath your fucking bed. You're done, dude. That was like when I when we were in college at Jetland, one of my roommates at the time, 
um, offered me a couple Bitcoin for like it was something ridiculous like for some food or something like that and i was like no this is stupid this isn't even real what am i gonna do with it and stuff and i did the math one time if i had kept those and it was like twenty thousand dollars <laughs> for a chicken sandwich yeah. dude, a popeyes yeah, yeah. but i mean Should've i agree with the concept yeah. of like now that it's kind of more mainstream um in the i guess the concept behind cryptocurrency is more clear it, it's like i i I respect it because it doesn't rely on a big banking system to kind of keep it in check and like control it. So it's, well, I don't want to make this joke right now, but it's obvious. Like it's used for the black market. (laughs) You only use crypto for black market. Yeah. (laughs) You do. Oh, I'm going to buy pit Viper. Yeah. Speaking, (laughs) speaking of that, using online to buy stuff. Oh, I've got, we still have pre-sale. For the show. Oh, good segue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Except we're only going to have it up for probably... When are you going to go live with this? Tomorrow? Yeah, probably. We're well, only going to have it up... Plus, tonight will be up in the all world right, tomorrow. All right. We'll probably only have it up for like two or three more days. And there's only a couple dozen tickets left. And, th- and the rest of them, we're going to go straight to the door. And that's going to be first come, first serve. So, you know, just putting it out there. Good luck. It, yeah. And this is going to be at 502 bars off Embassy Oaks in San Antonio, Texas. It is the white rabbit for the people that don't want to go downtown. It is dope. 502 bar is one of my favorite spots. I was actually there with some of our homies the other day from old homies from Hydra. Now they're not in a band anymore. You know, Hydra's it's not weird a band to say. Anymore. Yeah, it's really weird to say yeah. Hydra's not a band anymore. Yeah. But uh, like, yo, we're hanging out, man. We're having a good time, dude. It's a good bar. My boys in the Rambling Souls, they were playing, so I saw them. They reminded me a lot of Greta Van Fleet. Like, they were heavy fucking riff-based rock. Mm-hmm. And then their lead singer, oh, yeah. he was just going all Robert yeah. Plant on everyone, dude. It was awesome, dude. They put a show on. They put a crazy show on. It was good. So now I'm ready for this Friday. Or is this Saturday, 31st Saturday? Saturday, yeah. My bad. This Saturday. So I'm ready. It's going to be so dope. I'm going to be there. You should be there. And what's the website they can buy the tickets on? Well, if you look up uh, Black Market Club on Facebook, like there's the there's a link. Um, I believe, actually, if you go to eventbrite.com slash the Black Market Club, there will probably be something there because that's the mother link, basically, of where you're getting the tickets from. Um, but, yeah, I would do that. If you don't want to do pre-sale... Um, then yeah, there there will be some at the Just door. Just do pre sale because it looks so dope when you show up, and then they read your name off a list and you walk in. And also, if you don't have the Eventbrite app, get it right now. Eventbrite in the Apple and Google Play market, uh, it's a great app because they will actually email you every week with bands that are kind of in your wheelhouse that you like, with who's coming and ticket sales and everything. It's a really great app. So go in there and look up Black Market Club. Yeah, yeah. So. You, Mr. Busby, yes, have what's called perfect pitch. I suppose. Now, I went to a school when I was younger. I'm not. I'm not that talented as y'all are, even combined. Like you take like three of me and combine it, maybe like a quarter of you, a quarter of you. So you have this amazing gift called perfect pitch, where basically you can hear every layer of every song, every note. You understand, like, in your head, you see it, like, do you see it? Is it visual? I don't think it's visual. Um, in regards to my perfect pitch, um, I have reference notes that I know. Um, so I kind of make references to notes, and it's like, uh, 
is this like a, uh, what's the interval between this and my reference note? And I can kind of go off from there. Um, so it, in a sense, it kind of removes, it, it's one of the things that removes some of the magic to music. If you don't know anything about music, then uh, you're always kind of wondering, oh, I wonder how they did this. And, and you know, and because you, you, don't, know. you don't know the science behind it. Yeah. But then um, after, like if you take a music theory or if you study that, um, really the, the concept of uh, Western music in regards to music theory is a study of where does the chord want to go. So you tend to get to the point where you anticipate things happening. And, and they do. Yeah. And the, when that does and happen, you're it's like, like oh, I can create this. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, uh, or you, you can really guess, okay, I figure this is going to resolve this way. Oh, here we go. Yep. I expected that. So it removes that magic to it. And you I, see the I science. get that. When I went to high school, went to communication arts, we just take film class. We have to watch all these great movies. Too. Like all, every great movie you could think of. We'd have to break it down and be like, where do they break the rule on the taking the shot from like, you know, that 90 degree or whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you would break it down to where now, like people ask me, like I didn't see the Titanic till two years ago. People freak out. No way. <laughs> I just, cause movies frustrate me, dude. It's like probably like you haven't listened to most music. Yeah. I just like watch them and I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, you start breaking it down. And yeah. Like being self, well, not self critical, but critical of the movie, you know? And you're like, ah, I'm I'm judging it instead of ju- enjoying it. I think that's a good the point. whole thing. It's a long. Movie. I did, and I was pissed at the end. She's a bitch. <laughs> like, you had enough room on that damn door. Yeah, scooch Pull over. The man Come on, you love who just saved your life up on that damn door, woman. You know, maybe she was thinking of him as just like a fling, like a fling on a cruise. Okay, this is well, how I go. That's him. how fucking I'm not gonna tell you that sounds back life. home. That's how that time of life was. And I, I don't want to put my tinfoil hat on, but that whole thing was a whole setup for insurance money through the Rothschilds. Mm. <laughs> I want to get into it, but they built it all. And, yeah, they knew it was going to go down. They knew. Yeah, and, and through that, they did see new safety standards come up, like uh, oh having enough down. lifeboats. Take someone and, catching you know. on fire and breaking through a window. That's what it takes, man. Get some new seatbelts in the car. No, that's true. Nobody makes changes until the room's on fire. And that's maybe it'll change. That's true. Got to get your ass a little hot. Yeah. But to the... To the the court stuff. Zach also has perfect pitch, and we used to do we used what? to do games. You got two y'all in this man, eh, kind of. We used to do games where we would be like at after parties and stuff, and we would somebody would play a note on their phone, and Zach and Buzz would have to guess it, and they would get it right like ninety nine percent of the time without seeing it and everything and stuff, which is interesting. And then the other thing is, him and I see um, notes and chords in color. Like how you were talking I see, about. I see music. Music to me, I see it uh, like a pic- pictures, almost like a um, splash water paint or something. like mm-hmm. Watercolors. Yeah. Like something certain, like that. Like if it's really warm and like whatnot, like I see reds, and like autumn colors and fall colors. If you're playing really trebly and like really tight, I see blues and whatnot. That's how I like listen to music. I see it. I don't know. But that's like how I would dictate my guitar. I'd move around my neck on my guitar. Well, that's you, you can learn the skills all day, but I would always be like, "All right, am I playing in the pocket or not? Like, am I in the right scale?" Yeah. So I would play, and I could I could see what I'm playing in my head as a color. And if I hit a wrong note, it was the wrong color. I was like, "All right, go back into that warmer groove," mm-hmm. and then I would stay in tune the whole damn. Yeah, time. and pockets really what dictates what I do playing drums. Um, I actually had a conversation about this, and 
uh, people don't often ask me uh, because, I mean, they just don't – I they don't play drums, and it's not a concept that they're kind of more familiar with. Um, but trying to explain pocket um, and really where I'm at as a musician, I, I think – at a certain point you give up on having the best chops because like a lot of the people that I follow and that I look up to as far as drumming, I will never, even if I tried my absolute hardest have chops like them. uh, And that's why they're known for what they do. But what I can do is add my own flair to things and put my own personality into it. And that's playing in the pocket. Yeah. So, and especially for like playing uh, drums in like a rock band, it's like, you're you're not going for chops. You're not trying to show off. It's playing what's right. It's the difference between being like in the Olympics of music and then actually playing music. Yeah, like I used to play on it. <laughs> it was I'm not even going to tell the name of it, but it was it's a metal style guitar. Y'all know what it is, uh, and I did, and I did, and I played like I practiced arpeggios, and I did all this shit. Yeah. And I, at the end of it, like when I was like getting just kind of like bored, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I'm not even creating anything. It becomes trivial past a certain point. Yeah. And that's not fun anymore. Yeah. And like I went back to, you know what I did? I stopped playing. I punted that guitar down, actually got rid of it, pawned it. And then I started playing acoustic and only all the major fuck, or main, main chords. Mm-hmm. That's all I did. It's like I, country music. All you need is. Three chords oh, yeah. and the truth. Yeah. Oh, I tell you what. George Strait, baby. Cowboy chords. Cowboy chords. Just capo everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, yeah. I can't shift my fingers up that quick, so we're just going to put this on number six. Yeah, and if that feels right, it feels right, and that's the important part. Yeah. I love country music, man. It's its its, its own little honest. It's its own little honest. I like that red dirt. I like outlaw country. I love Waylon. You know? I love you know Willie and all that. Well, you were saying um, you used to do a few nights uh, of work at Floors. Yep. Oh, yeah. I've seen everyone, man. That's a great venue. That's historic. Um, and our studio yeah, is literally right down the street from there. Oh, dope. So um, our producer for both Black Market, and we'll talk about it in a second, but the new group that we're in called Southpaw um, is Mac Damon. And Shout out Mac Damon. <laughs> <laughs> and he just got a new studio called Stone Creek sound that's right out there it's right by Josabi's. so it's like 10 minutes from town but yeah. you f- it's a cabin in the woods it is the coolest environment to record create produce right now it is yeah. it's very cool even just the, the whole story behind how we got there and the perfect timing and the people that just so happened to come together to make that place possible it, it's like is this that spot past Josabi's that yeah. used to be called cowboy something um uh is this a place that Willie Nelson used to run through? Uh, uh, no, or? no, because it was owned by just a, an old guy. Oh, before. Yeah, this it just, wasn't like a studio. Oh, it's okay. a cabin on some uh, private road. Like you go down this dirt road. That's okay, I've never been there. No. Every time it rains, it gets even worse. So like my car doesn't like going down that road. But uh, <laughs> once you get there, you go inside and it, it is just the perfect little wooden cabin out in the woods. It's like one of those places where you, you know, if, if you wanted to like go somewhere and spend a week creating an album, just and be separated like from Zeppelin, did Zeppelin three. And they went out to like the Hills of England and they had yep. no electricity and they just, well, you have electricity, obviously yeah. y'all need a lot of power, dude. Y- you basically have that idea in your head of your ideal place to go out in the middle of the woods away from everything. And that stone Creek sound. 
This is very cool. Everybody should look it up on Instagram and yeah. Facebook. And you can check out the pictures of. And also look up Mac Demon and everything he does and everything he's ever done, dude. Like he's done so much shit, dude. He's, oh man. I don't know how he finds time for everything because he he, he stays busy he's and he's like always one working. of those yeah. Joe Rogan esque like figures. It's like how do you juggle all this? Well, not yeah. he, he not only does that, but he's like super involved in his kids. Yeah, extracurricular activities like his his son plays basketball and a bunch of other stuff and he's always at the games and those games are at like seven in the morning and i'm like i was just with you until three in the morning tracking you know for a couple songs and stuff like yeah, how the heck do you do that and when magic's yeah. happening at the studio even if you're not actually doing anything you feel obligated to stay there it's like i don't want to miss this yeah that's how most of our sessions go and he's so great about that too we'll have a block and we'll be, oh, this is only going to take like three hours. And then if it gets nope. in a groove and it's going, we're there until three or four. Because of time, he he he's not going to lose out on the moment. It's probably why he's great at what he does. Yeah, and he we knows never, how to stay in the pocket, dude. Yeah, he's like, we, all right, you're now you're in the groove. I'm yeah. not going to miss out on what I need. Yeah, you know? and when you're in the pocket and you're really getting stuff done, nothing's ever rushed. So you will take as much time as you need to actually do it, and. Uh, you know, and, and working with him over the past several years, um, you know, you, you really build a good relationship with him. And uh, uh, you, you get into that groove of just being able to work really well together and having that kind of communication. Yeah. And, I mean, that's really what a good producer should be. Yeah. He's like a director of a movie. Kind of, yeah. Because a producer of a movie just punts money up. Yeah, and I mean, and but like it's uh, just the Mac Damon way. Yeah, and when I went to my audio engineering school, that's what they kind of told us. Like when you're in the studio and you want to be a producer, you're a director of this movie. You got to do whatever. They they kind of reference sports a lot with it because they would talk about like having like a singer maybe that was like you know what? Because my my teacher would tell me like he like he he did Beyonce's platinum album, a couple of those things. He did some fucking crazy shit. Yeah, he's he made some. Made some good moves in the industry. But he always said, like, if your lead singer says he can't sing it until he sees a beachfront and a patio, he says, you better find a beachfront and a patio. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, work with their ego. Just get it out. Just get yeah, it out. He, and he's work good with about it. that. He, he can do all that shit, dude. He, that's a good producer in my head. Yeah. That's what he taught me. And I don't know. I'm not the best, like, having, like, co, co you know, Y'all are on here. I'm not used to having like guests so much, even though I have guests often now. Mm-hmm. But I still do. I even bang out shit by myself just to like know I c- can still do it by myself. Absolutely. So when I'm speaking, like I'm already talking too much right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I can already catch myself. So I'm not a great producer at this yet. I'm going to get better at radio for sure. Yeah, but I mean really. But it's like a goal to get better at radio. Yeah, I mean, but with producers and everything, it's knowing how to work with personality and kind of capture some of that essence, I think. Uh, because he he likes when sort of that those spontaneous moments happen, and it's like, how do we capture that? How do we transfer that into that studio the lightning magic? in the bottle? Yeah, because there, there's no, I don't think there's a more exciting feeling to like than being in the studio, and it's like, okay, you get this crazy idea, and like, let's run with it, and then it comes out better than you could ever expect it, and it's like, oh my god, we created fire. That's yeah, so how you put well, the that's, heart and that's soul. That's what happens. So for this this upcoming show, Zach was like, hey. All of a sudden, he was like, "Guys, I want to come back into town and I want to play another show." It's like, "Let's get the band back together. Let's, you know, let's do it." And we're all Band's pumped, right? Back in town. Yeah, exactly. And we're we, back in town. Yeah. The boys are, and we, um, 
we're like, okay, well, let's get ready. We're gonna have to practice because we're probably gonna play an hour. Uh, also, for set times, uh, doors open at seven, I think. First band is St. Dukes, great band. Everybody should look them up. They're probably gonna be around Saint nine. St. Dukes. St. Dukes on Instagram. They're on Instagram. Um, and then our new group, it's our gonna be our first show, Southpaw is the middle so we'll probably be at 10 and then black market's gonna headline at 11 and black market's probably gonna play an hour and then that'll be it but um not only were we getting ready for the show which we haven't played in almost two years but then just also after a couple weeks zach was like oh and i've been writing a song and i want to write it record it produce it and release it at the show and we're like, what? How are we gonna do that? Yeah. So I mean, like with everything that everyone's got going on, it is definitely, it, it definitely was a logistical nightmare, because I already have a full schedule, man. Like, yeah, everybody <laughs> does. But but us us yeah. knowing us knowing Mac and having that relationship, um, like we literally went to him and we we're like, what you know? Should we try this? Should we do that? And this he's is like, this is a dilemma. Can you help me? Yeah, he's, he's like, like let's yeah. do it. We're gonna do it this day, this oh, day, he, this day. That's the guy to trust. Absolutely. That's the man in town to trust, yeah. dude. It's just like old times. A dilemma like that. So we went in and knocked it out in like three days. And, and it's ready to go. All separately? And you just yeah, listen we, to it now? We had to do it all separately because Zach wrote most of it in um, L.A. And had to show it to us. And we learned it here. So now you're all just here. listening to like the master and like getting ready for the show? Oh, it, it's mastered. It's already been mastered. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So you're listening to the master. Like yeah. You're just waiting for the show now. And speaking of yeah, the master, we're going to be able to be but released. But you've never played it all together. Not all together yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, That's soon. so ballsy, soon, dude. Soon, very soon. That is we haven't so played ballsy. together as a band since our last show. So we have less. Year and a half. Well, Zach's not even in town yet. And we have less than a week. Zach's coming into town in a couple of days. This is happening Friday, kids. Saturday. Saturday. Why do I keep saying Friday? <laughs> Damn it, the 21st. The claws are talking. 831 <laughs> So we're going to debut that that song. Um, for people that bought tickets in advance, you're going to get the song. Zach's emailing out to everybody. Uh, the people that got VIP, they're going to get that and probably some merch or some stuff. I don't know what Zach is. We'll, we'll do something special. Idea. Yeah. But we the song you. will be available, regardless. Yeah, it's already been mastered, and Mac took care of all that too. He we use um he has a relationship with Sterling Sound, who mm. mastered like the guy that did our last album. He mastered Continuum by John Mayer and like all this awesome album. albums. Um, it was like a break of what he was doing at the time, but it was good. I mean, like, cause like uh, you can just go to these guys he and master that? who what, the, and he's in San Antonio. No, 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 no. no they were uh, in New York for the last ten years. Okay, they, that makes sense. Uh, this like, this particular uh, branch of uh, Sterling was out in Nashville. They literally just moved to Nashville. It's gotcha. the same one. It's from New York. Oh, did they this actually move to Nashville? Up. Yeah. So Mac was telling me the story. So they're like they were super established in New York, and they had a lease. That was like a 20-year lease or something, right? Right. And at the time when they first got it, it was cheaper. But the, the place that they're at in New York, it's coming up time where they needed to re-up on that lease. And because the inflation of the market there, and they were like, like nah. if you, no, no, no. They were like, you can keep, you can oh. re-up your lease, oh. but it's going to be an additional 80 grand a month. Ooh, that's a little steep. And so they were like, heck no. So they happened to a lot of places. A lot of they just moved to Nashville. Going out right now. They're wiping yeah. out New York. That's, that's crazy. What are they even going to do with it? Like, who's going to want to pay that much money? People that have that much money? <laughs> yeah. Like, I work at a place for people without money. At the Whataburger at the Pearl. 
um, that have that much money, man. And when you see people that live that life, like it's weird. You're not envious of it at all. I kind of feel bad about a lot of it because a lot of it's pretty sad and like filled with emptiness. <laughs> <laughs> but they spend a lot of money and they can do whatever they want. And when you have like, you get bored. Like imagine like playing a game with all the cheat codes on. Like it's fun for like the first 20 minutes. And I then feel like once that's... you have like contact with everything and do whatever you want. Where do you go from there? Yeah. I think that's why you you have to if you if you are very passionate about whatever you're doing, if you find a passion in your life, whether it's like music for us or whatever your job is or, yeah. or what have you, if it's not just a job, it's a passion for you, then that helps all of that because no matter how much you're making, you still want to go into work every day and yeah. create or produce or whatever. That's why I like I love wine. And I can still go into work every day and be like, at least I'm still working with wine. Yeah, so even if you were a billionaire, you would still be interested in that and you would want to. I'd probably still do it. Yeah. I'd, I'd have a billion dollars and probably still do it. And I'd probably still drink White Claws. Shout out! And then <laughs> probably... <laughs> Blackout Cherry. Black Cherry tonight. Brought to you by the self-proclaimed Claudette Stephen Aller camp. Okay, you need to get dude. a sponsorship. I, you know, you know. I need to. Dude, all all I'm see. saying is like, okay, I've been keeping track of the Claw Chronicles oh, between you and your boy. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, as as a friend. It's clean high. Y- you shouldn't take that kind of disrespect from him. Same. He calls himself the Claw Daddy. You going to take that, dude, man? You know what? The loudest one in the room is the weakest, dude. You know, so <laughs> I'm going to let him yell and say he's the you know, the claw daddy. That's cool, dude. You need to outclaw him every day of your life. Dude, I, it comes to a point where I don't think we can outclaw each other because we were drinking buddies when we were younger, like 18, 19, like beer pong friends. So that we, that's when you're invincible. It just escalates. Dude, we've pushed each other to the limits of alcohol poisoning. There's like nothing we can do to out drink each other. So like, you know, I can't call. It's all about who's more about it, dude. I don't know. I mean, the streets say I'm the claw daddy. But he has all the – he checks all the boxes, you know, if it was a corporate world, okay? So he yeah. checks all the boxes, but the streets are calling my name. So I don't know. You listen you, – you could – he's the claw daddy on paper. I mean, if I go to but H-E-B I mean, and I see that there's no more claws left, like, who am I going to blame? Him and the, <laughs> and, and the white girl in front of him, dude. <laughs> and everyone, dude. Everyone enjoys claws, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You really yeah, we, we were talking about this. We had Trulies the other day, and it's just not, yeah. the, same. It's not the same, dude. That aspartame, fake sugar. Yeah. But like, I, I feel kind of like hypocritical talking about claws because I've never had white claw. You know what? Let's do this impromptu right now. Okay. Y'all both have pen and paper in front of you? Okay. Yeah. All right. I want y'all to write down each other's favorite alcohol beverages. Oh, I got this one in the bag. Oh, you know. Oh, I, I know the answer to this. <laughs> Now, Buzzy might be a little hard because it's been a minute. He hasn't drank in a m- oh, more than a minute, which is amazing. Okay, I, well, Shout out. Write two just to be safe. <laughs> Four years sober. What up? That's amazing. So, I mean, uh, it, it's really not so much of a big deal for me. I think uh, because people all the time are like, wow, that's so awesome. But it's also from people who drink. But, I mean, when you don't want it anymore and you're done with that life, it's like, yeah, it's, I'm just not about it. Like, I have my own reasons, whatever. So, I mean, I don't make a big deal out of it, really. Mm-hmm. But then when people are like, oh, that's so amazing. It's like, well, I mean, just two different people. Oh, so, it's dope. I mean, yeah. like, I smoke cigarettes for eight years a pack a day. Yeah. And I quit in three months. I just stopped for three months. And after yeah. that, I was like, I'm wow. done. Nice. And people who smoke cigarettes and stuff, 
they're like, oh, you haven't smoked in this long? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, it's no, just that's just incredible. Different people, different uh, walks of life, man. It is. And I were, you know, I have nothing against it. I'll, if someone, a good friend of mine, like if a, my boy Brian right now is like, hey, have a smoke with me. I need to talk. I would have a smoke with him, but it wouldn't relapse me. Yeah. And there's no. a, there's that's a good. big distinction between that. Yeah, you know when you know when you get to that point. Back to, yeah. yeah, you know when you get to that point for yeah. anything. I'm at that point where it's like it's never ever in my entire life worth going back to smoking a pack yeah. a day of cigarettes. You're out of your damn mind. For you, is it worth going back to? Uh, for liquor, I'm going to say Maker's Mark. Ooh, you know that wasn't my favorite whiskey. Oh, what was it? Uh, I really liked Woodford Reserve. Um, uh, I that's think very similar. Este way. It, it, but it wasn't the same. Uh, Makers had this weird kind of burn to it that I didn't really particularly care for. But Woodford, I thought, drank a lot more smoothly. Maybe Makers was Zags. Or not Makers. Um, uh, Woodford. Uh, it is Makers. Know. He does love Makers. He's talking. Well, Makers is that. not bad. Um, Makers I, is nice. It is nice, but just you, out you of You have the wax and you twist off the I know. Yeah. It, it's an ex- like, it's I the like whole experience. Thing. I get it. Okay. And then... Um, I've heard you say this before, so I don't know. I'm not a beer guy, so I don't know if this is correct. Dogfish head. Well, which Ooh. one? Well, which one? Oh, Anything they do is amazing. You <laughs> is it an I, wait? Hold up. Is there an IPA? Several. Yes. Yeah. Oh, there's several. I, I don't know. I okay, because like, I have written down dogfish head IPA. For my birthday. Oh, you, okay. <laughs> was it aged at all? Or was it a fresh 120? It was like a keg. Okay. Oh, the keg. Okay. A pony. Actually, one time at 502, another plug for 502 bar. Um, I went out of my way. Like, I heard they were tapping, like, a five-gallon keg of 120 minute, and, like, I had to show up for that. Yeah. And I- it was amazing on tap. But I should also say that even though I haven't drank in years, um, I do still have three 120-minute IPAs from 2012. <laughs> so okay. they're more you, than seven years old. Okay, hold up. Andrew, you got you nailed it. Because he's I'll, got I'll accept it. He's not okay. even drinking, and he's aging bottles of Dogfish Head 120 right now. If he, you say Dogfish Head is not your favorite beer, you're a damn liar. Okay. Okay, but the, it's it, it's, say, it's not a simple answer because I mean, like, okay, it, it's like you I like it's like you and wine because you're gonna give like an educated answer. To, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to be pedantic here, the, but yeah. Good <laughs> I guess I kind of yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. You don't uh, mean to be a lot of things, but I'll tell you, like I have, I, I have a wine so though. I. Like I have a wine that I know, like I can't afford to ever drink it every day for sure. But like I know it's my favorite wine. Like it was the wine that made me go, holy shit! There's something outside of just yeah, jug wine. Yeah, but you Kistler, know, Russian River that's Valley, like 2013. That's like your dogfish header. That's like the 120 because it doesn't really taste like a beer. But if I ever crack an open, straight, like, like almost like a barley wine, that shit yeah, is I do have a 2014 Sierra Nevada barley wine, uh, the Bigfoot barley wine. Uh, oh, that's sitting oh, in my fridge as well. Yeah, see, I don't. That was also a fantastic beer. But is that Franzia or? No, no, don't go there with me. No. All no. right. So what? What is now, Busby? You're gonna tell Andrew now his favorite alcoholic beverage. Oh, yeah, I got. You this were laughing, idea. saying it was. You I got, got this. It? Yeah, tequila and Sprite. I don't know if it's like actually his favorite. Yep. Tequila is his kryptonite. I didn't know this, dude. You're from the fucking Midwest. Yes. Is that why you like it so much? You're not used to that little flavor? No. uh, I lived in El Paso for 10 years. Oh, never mind. What the fuck else do I have to say? Okay. Well, you know what? If you want to be 
pedantic what <laughs> what type do I like? Not Church of spirit. Not, no. <laughs> Dude, Lama, no, 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 no. Okay, because I remember one time at, at the Jetland house, I remember you were drinking uh, Texas spirit out of the flexiglass bottle straight. And I'm like, how are you? How can you live with yourself? And you're like, eh, it's not that bad. A changed person now. I, I know you're a changed man. I don't I have get that this. spirit. I don't sit here and drink KD anymore or anything. But I saw it happen and it appalled me. And just like, I'm still sickened by the thought. But uh, I do got to say, but I like a reposado. Reposado, of course. My favorite blend. I do not like, like Jose Cuervo gold or or That's the not even real tequila. It's I actually just like cannot well, handle it's that. It's actually white tequila. He's coloring in it. Yes, yeah, that stuff is nasty. Me, but a good reposado. It's disingenuous. It is because yeah. you're supposed to get the color from the barrels. Exactly. Or mezcal. Uh, it's too peaty for me. Really? I've even had some amazing scotches, but I can't do peatiness. They could be 18, 20, 25, 30, 40 year old fucking whatever the fuck from Island. And I just can't do it. I just, it smells like a bonfire of like growing up. Like those mesquite fires. Yeah. We should, don't use, mes- don't use mesquite to have a bonfire, people. Use oak. Uh, mesquite's made for smoking, but you know, when we were young, we would throw mesquite on fire, make one. And we'd sit around it as kids drinking beer, whatever. At least I did, you know, when we were like 18, 19, out in some field somewhere, someone's back back of their house. That smell would stick in your hair. When I would smell like any of those tequilas or scotches, first note, peat moss. Then uh, second note, smoky peat moss. That's how <laughs> I'm like, no. When I was oh, in high school, I can't get this moss. down. When I was in high school in El Paso, the only thing to do out there, because it's a desert, literally the only thing to do is to go out into the desert and make big bonfires. So all my Bonfire jackets, master. I would come back home, and my parents would straight up be like, "Why do you smell like smoke. freaking smoke out of a barrel?" And it's like, and you can't get that stuff out of your ja- your jackets. It'll stain your hair. You have yeah, to clean man. it. You sm- that's why you smoke the meats, dude. Yeah. All right. But yes, that is definitely my favorite. Yeah. But tequila and Sprite, and we had a sneaking suspicion that you drank tequila and Sprite because no one else would want to drink it. <laughs> so you learned to like it, so there'd be more for you. That's how it started. Oh, that's, the, that's how it started. That yeah. is the most genius move. That, and that also, is a pro move. That he, is a pro move. Andrew's never been a beer person because he's always on the liquor diet. You know, he's gotcha. trying to watch his figure, but he still wanted to have that's a good time. That's why you like claws. Claws are like yeah. on the liquor diet. Well, when you We're look at We're in the future him, now. Yeah, two grams of sugar, that's. That's dangerous. A hundred calories, two carbs. Yeah, that's right. Like I'm almost kind of jealous that I don't drink anymore because you guys get to enjoy light claws. Like yeah, we're living in 2021 right now, dude. Yeah, like we're we're in the future right now. The future is now. And you know what's so awesome about Buzzbee is the fact that he <laughs> he bought a 12 pack and he doesn't even drink, dude. I mean, I, I brought for you guys. Dude. Yeah, yeah. I put spec all over your name, dude. Ah, all right, thank you. No, I'm telling you, like this this guy. So, um, to talk about the new project yeah, a little South bit. Paul. So when we finished, uh, yeah, what was the inception of this? So I came up with the idea about four years ago, um, and honestly, it was just an idea that came up because the way that Black Market Club is more of a rock band, we kind of sound more like the Killers. But I've always wanted to do some more pop stuff. My wife, who I was just dating at the time, super into EDM, so we would go to festivals and stuff all the time, and I was like. I like electronic, but I like pop, but I also like rock. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started writing songs and thinking kind of in that vein and had this idea for a project. And that was four years ago. And I never thought anything would come of it. 
Um, did you have them on like a hard drive somewhere, or did the ideas were just there? Like literally all voice memos on my phone. Okay. All of them from just acoustic guitar or piano keyboard that I would write and stuff. Like literally, if you look at my voice memos, it is just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of like 10 oh, second man. clips 20 second clips just yeah. i'll have ideas that i'm in the car so there's literally clips on my voice memos just of just yeah because it's like that kind of thing where when you have an idea i don't want to lose it i want to record it because i'll forget about it and that's happened to me multiple times or if i'm really tired and i'm about to fall asleep and just all of a sudden i start writing a song in the head it's like crap i don't want to get up right now but I have to. Otherwise, I will forget about this tomorrow. Mm. And that's happened. I've forgotten probably some good stuff. But started writing about that. And the big kicker was my wife was, like, super into it. And I love her a lot. And she had never been into, like, some... She likes Black Market, but a lot of the rock scene stuff. But this stuff she was, like, really into. And I was like, okay, well, I really like it, too. Let's keep trying to go in that vein. But I honestly never thought it would be something that actually um, transpired until we played our last show with black market and then zach was like i'm gonna leave and we kind of all came to the understanding that we were not going to be we at least we're not going to be playing for a while if not having a hiatus if not being done you know we just didn't know and i was like this is the perfect time to start this stuff i literally had like songs a bunch of songs ready ideas and then i went to busby and i was basically like I want to do this project. And he hadn't heard me talking about it because I'd talked about it off and on for a while. And I was like, um, there's, I'm not doing this without you. Like, he's our floor general. We have a chemistry that we've been playing together so long and stuff. I was like, I'm yeah, not going to start this thing without you. We can, we can build the rest of the lineup from there. But, so we're both in it. And um, That's amazing. But it, it's been a weird journey to get to where we are. Um, because it, it was a bit of a slow burner and really trying to get things off the ground because we started, uh, we, we were in the studio maybe what a, a month or two after our last show. Yep. Um, we got right to it. Yeah. We, we literally got right oh, to wow. it. Um, but it has taken an unbelievably long amount of time just to kind of get anywhere on it. Um, and I think it's mostly because everyone's just so busy. Like Andrew's doing real estate. Um, like I manage a couple of retail stores, like and like we're yeah. just busy people. Life and happens, it's also man. harder to do that stuff when you don't have five guys contributing. Like it's just been us doing this stuff. And so we've been in there for more than a year. We have five songs basically done. Just about done. I'm not gonna release anything until next year, but we have enough to do a show now, which Dope. is why and then it wasn't even my idea to have this as our first show. It was Zach's idea. Zach came to me and he was like, bro, what if we made this like a homecoming mm-hmm. show for Black Market, but it's also your debut for Southpaw and your first Darn. show. And I, I just got tingles on the back of my neck. So, and honestly, we're doing this probably two months prematurely as far as being ready. But it was an opportunity that I could not pass up. So, like, like, it's on- going to be a blast. Honestly, it kind of scared me a little bit because I know that w- we were three months out uh, when we first kind of started planning for the show and um, like a month into it, it's like, Hey, let's do this uh, South pause for a show too. We didn't and even like, have, and we didn't have an, a band. Yeah. We didn't have a full lineup. So you just, our lineup what? is, we didn't have a full rehearsal until like a few weeks ago with everyone in well, the same then room. It, it then doesn't make it as crazy to think that you would just be like, Hey, let's just write a song with not being together, record it and then play. It, it was live. just us. We didn't, and we didn't know how we were going to do it. Um, literally, how did you start all, recruiting? 
So I'm so happy about how everything turned out because I literally went to, so I don't just play in black market and the new stuff stuff. Like I've been playing, um, I'm the music director at my church and I've been playing there for a decade and doing that in church music every week, you meet a lot of people, you learn a lot of people, people from the studio. I played at back in the day for years and you just get in the motion of practicing like twice a week and you play all day Sunday. You're self-sufficient at that point. Yeah. You just, it was great. So keep going. Sorry, but um, that's I just how want to like change on that because that's a fun thing to do, man. Yeah, it so is. It's, no, I love di- it's a whole different feeling of music. It's a weird. It's a whole different. I don't know. It is, but doing that. Explain it. And also, when they made me um, I I could. music director there, so I have a silent mic that only goes to the ears of the band, and not to the house. And the reason they have that is because we have backing tracks for a lot of the worship songs, but I'll corral things to keep it on track if a singer gets off beat or if we need to do a moment where we're just flowing and we're going, I'll call out, go mm-hmm. to the bridge, go to the four, go to the one. Um, and doing all that while still playing lead oh God. has been... It's like playing two or three, every instrument. That has kept oh me like in shape as far as playing. Um, so but you're that's, not, yeah, you're like Antonio Brown. You're still working out. Exactly. I'm just not not playing yet. <laughs> and so with all this, that's how I'm that's how I met my guitarist. So my guitarist name is Chris Hansen. Dude, I got such a <laughs> kick out of this, but Andrew didn't make the connection until I said something cuz I I was instantly like Wait, it, you're you're joking, right? You know Chris Hansen from Dateline, um, to catch a predator. Yeah. And he's like, "Hey, take a seat." Oh my. The guy God. that catches yeah, all the yeah. guys. Same name. All the pedophiles and shit. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't think about that until I thought it was the most amazing. After he thing was ever already ran. in the group and everything, and then I told Busby the the roster of everybody that I that I picked out and stuff, and he just starts laughing, and I'm like, "What?" And to this day, he cannot get over it. Like every time he sees Chris, he just like has to make a joke. <laughs> it's like, why don't you have a seat right over there? Yeah. Chris is just like over it. And, it's yeah. like you're free to go now, and but then that's walks how, out the that's door. How like, Put the guitar on the ground. Get out. Get out. <laughs> you just gotta work with it. It's something you just gotta deal with. If it's really he he seems name. pretty okay with my dumb jokes, but this is kind of like the the deal for me being in the band. Andrew's gonna have to deal with my stupid jokes on a regular basis, and there's been a couple times already where he's like, "Why did I do this?" No, I mean, <laughs> I'll put up with all that. He, he drums great enough to. Do all that. No, the lineup so that then, excuse so my poor Hansen, jokes. So they got Chris Hansen, who was my <laughs> okay. who was my dream. The real Chris never Hansen old, never gets old. The real Chris. <laughs> you're right. No, so he was he was the guitarist that I that I've wanted from the beginning, and then got Busby, and then uh, my sister, who's an incredible singer. Originally, when I started this project, the idea was it was going to be like a guy girl thing, and I wanted to do something with my sister just because. You only get one life, and she's really good. And we've never actually been in a project together, and she's very talented. So I wanted to do it together. So she's in it, too. She's Mike, too, other singer. Um, and then we got Busby. Our keys player slash other guitar player is named Nick Drake. And he's a guy that I oh, wow. that I know Intense from work. Name. Yeah, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. And then we were not originally going to have a bass player. Nick um, Drake, Chris Hansen. Are you making this shit up, what dude? A, what a roster we have. Nick Drake. Okay, dude. Sounds like a pirate adventurer. No, it's amazing, though. All right, keep going. So but we originally were this not. This guy plays keys and guitar? Yeah, so he plays keys on, on in synth on some stuff, on half the stuff, basically, and then backup guitar on some other stuff. Um, and then we originally were not going to have a bass player because Mac, who is the producer of this project as well, was like, dude, you're going to have so much synth bass. And you kind of electronic bass. bass. You technically don't need one. And I was like, okay. But originally it was going to be me, my sister, and then another female singer, a girl named uh, Marissa Mora, 
shout out to her if she uh, listens to this but she ended up not being able to be a part of it she helped me with writing a bunch of the stuff in the beginning but she ended up not being a part of it because she had to move up to closer to Waco so it was just too far away so then I was like man I have this empty spot and I don't have a bass player and um, I need a bass player that can also sing so we reached out to one of our original bass players from Black Market named Chano Luciano Islas and he was down and that was literally like my dream team. But that it was, was like, like the last piece of the puzzle. Yeah, yeah. dude. When everybody finally said so yes, is I was everyone just like, feel the same about it? I think so. Um, and you're, I, you're saying it was the last piece of the puzzle before you even because like with the thing with Chano for me, um, uh, he was our second bassist in the Black Market Club, mm-hmm. and um, he ended up getting a really good opportunity at the time uh, to play in a band called Charcoal Tongue, and. Um, Although we were like really happy for him, like I, I always kind of had this feeling that um, I wasn't done playing music with him. Like mm-hmm. someday there'd be he'd a time come back where, around. yeah, he'd come back around and I get to play a Chano again because yeah. he's an amazing bassist. Um, yeah, he's incredible, and uh, he's just a really and he's fun a great guy. guy too. Yeah, he's fun to have around, and he still remembers that's all the, the most dumb jokes. Thing, we used that's to what play. you spend all your time with. Well, I'll tell you yes, what, guys. that's the that's the other biggest thing about this group. Not only is it like my dream team of what I wanted to pick, but. If we go on the road with this group, it's a bunch of ride or dies. Like, great people. We're all kind of over our stages of, you know, just getting messed up and being immature and stuff yeah, and everything. Ready, like, Half of us have kids. Now. Like, yeah, we, we'd all be excited to do that. And we're definitely excited for this first show. And then the last, or probably one of the most important pieces to the puzzle of our sound, because when you guys hear us, we do not sound like anything in San Antonio. We don't sound like anything that's around here. Um, it's going to be, I think, a very pleasant, refreshing surprise. Nice. And that's kind of hard to explain. And you, like, you checked the market out. You looked at all the other bands like this is. Well, we did. So I have so my favorite bands. I have a few favorite bands. The 1975, Foster the People, mm-hmm. uh, Walk the Moon, Bleachers, St. Lucia. All kind of in in a, in a certain direction, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I pick up from all those people as far as inspiration. And nobody around here does stuff like that um, that I know of, except. So we were. I was working with Mac for a few months, and there was just something about the sound that just. I wasn't able to verbalize how I wanted it to sound, but I knew, like in my head and my heart, like it it needed some extra. Oomph. I just couldn't translate what I want to do because I'm not a producer. I, I'm, I mean, I haven't learned crap on Pro Tools yet and stuff like that. So uh, it was really hard for me to explain that to Mac. And then he showed me this band called Panic Division. Oh, love them. Yeah. I just saw the new music video. Yeah, they're incredible. Yeah. Well, the guy that fronts that, uh, his name's Colton Holiday. And one time we were in Stone Creek in that studio, the cabin, right? And he, he was like, you have, to, you have to listen to this new stuff from Panic Division because it sounds way different than their old stuff. Yeah. And he plays it. And in my head, I didn't tell it to Mac at the time, but in my head, I'm like, oh my God, this is exactly what I want. This is exactly mm. what I want it to sound like. This is like in the same direction of the vein, right? But I thought Colton was not here. I thought he was like maybe in Nashville or, or LA or somewhere else. And I don't know why I thought that, but I was just like, I didn't. I don't think he's here in San Antonio, right? But then I followed him on Instagram, Panic Division, which also everybody should go and follow on Instagram. Yeah, I follow him. They're awesome. Yeah, he's incredible. Their last music video is amazing. You can see it on YouTube. Yeah, and um, I was watching. He he was making posts while he was writing that album. Um, on that, real quick, can I piggyback? I saw Panic Division's newest video. Uh, with my boy, Mister Texas Media, right now, 
and he recorded so many music videos. It was awesome. They had a release at the Draft House, Alamo Draft House here, off 410. If you're in San Antonio, you know what I'm talking about. And it murdered, dude. So many bands, so many rappers, so many great music videos. And Panic Visions was pretty cool. It was really cool. It was filmed amazing. But yeah, shout out to Mr. Texas Media. Follow him as well. That was my boy, Andy Texas, Stiltro Studios, all that. He's got a new handle now. He just switched his handle up from Stiltro Studios to Mr. Texas Media. So follow it if you can. So yeah, that, and yeah, that video is it's really nice. It's colorful. It's crisp. It's and the, and the songs are dope. The whole album really is awesome from start to finish. But um, I was watching videos he was posting on his Instagram, and one of them he was writing a lick for one of his songs, right? And he's sitting in the chair and he's in the studio and he's doing it. And I look in the back, and the SSL board. I was like, I've seen that before. I that's that's freaking Stone Creek. That's like where I record. You know, holy mm-hmm. holy. We're in the we're in the same studio, and then um, I looked up, and sure enough, he was here. And so I straight up slid into his DMs and was like, "Hey, I don't know if you do this or what you want to do, but would you consider being like a producer consultant?" I sent him everything that I had, and I was like, "Here's what I have, but here's what I'm trying to sound like on top of that and everything and stuff." And he just like knew exactly what to do. So he came in at the beginning of this year, and he's. He's been like a shot in the arm to the extra oomph. Like, Mac Damon is the, the baseline of, if this was like Fast and Furious, he's like the baseline of the car. <laughs> and then Colton is like the, that nitrous button that just like kind of takes it to the next it level. Takes it to the next level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's Real done, balls to the walls. And he's just been awesome to work with. So him and Mac got together. And uh, technically his role, I guess, is technically pre- producer consultant, but they've both been... Uh, doing it together and it's just sounding massive co-producer yeah it's sounding it's sounding massive it's sounding really different and uh, it's something that i'm I'm really uh, proud of vtech kicked in yo yeah but we're really excited to play this first album that i wanted to make (laughs) i I had to to say that i mean like it was a reference like I, I know we're kind of past the fast and furious reference but i had to say something that was good that was good <laughs> He's had a V-Tech in his car. He's had the same Acura for since I've known him. Oh yeah, I, I've had my car uh, beat up as it is for uh, more than eleven years now. Um, yeah, and at this point, I feel kind of obligated to keep it and do something <laughs> with it at some point because I've like I've always it's like, like yeah. most relationships. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that that's one of the fallacies where you continue to do something because you're you've given so much time to it? Then you just yeah. Like you're like I'm pot committed. Yeah, and like, like and if you're playing like poker, that's what you'd say. Yeah, yeah. I've already bet and trusted enough in yeah. this. Yeah, in its current state, hand, it, it's worth. But like I'm gonna nothing. I'm gonna ride it out to the end now because I'm pot committed. Yeah, I mean, in its current state, it's worth nothing to anyone but me. But like, it, it's been with me through so much. It's like I have to keep it and I have to like do something with it someday. So, I feel you on that. Yeah. People want to chastise me because I had 1980 Berlinetta Camaro and I sold it to a tow truck driver. For five hundred bucks, oh. and then after I gave him the money, he charged me a hundred dollars for the tow. Oh. <laughs> and that thing, I could have sold the frame alone for like two thousand dollars, but at the time, I just wasn't. Yeah, couldn't do it. I yeah. needed something to keep myself afloat. It's one of those things I always hate myself for. Mm-hmm. And also, upon a guitar, I never like hate myself for that. The electric one I told you earlier about playing a lot of metal. You're it, not gonna say what that one was. No, I don't want to see the manufacturer or anything. <laughs> but um, it's. 
Let me it's think again. It's your normal run-of-the-mill, I play metal guitar bullshit. I think I know that and, one. Uh, and yeah. it was also, in, it was green with a, <laughs> with a uh, sunburst or whatever, like fl- flame top. It was a green flame top. Oh, my Interesting God. Interesting choice. With active EMGs, of course. Yeah, this more reinforces what I think it is. Yeah, so. yeah you probably know exactly what it is. So that, that happened, uh, but I got rid of it, and I, I regret that one as well. Not yeah. saying my life would be any better right now if I had that guitar in my life and that car in my life, yeah. but you know things would slap, dude. Yeah, dude. Because both those slap so hard, yeah, and that's how I feel about my car. Like, <laughs> if I get rid of it, I'm gonna hate myself for it years down the road because, like, it, it's that feeling of if you sell it or like move on, you'll always wonder what if. Yeah, and I don't want to wonder what if. It's that cube right across the street or something. Yeah, you dude. Know, you never know. Sometimes you just got to do it. You got to send it, you man. Gotta go in balls yeah. deep. You know, I I don't I don't know. I'm not married, dude. Yeah. Apparently, I haven't made that decision yet. Yeah. Even though I almost did like twice. For sure. Yeah. But even like starting TVMC for me, it was like I wanted to do it and actually um, be serious about it because if I didn't, I would always wonder what if I had actually tried to be in this band. So it was more just to kind of satisfy my own curiosity at the end of the day. And it's like, let's try to do this and go somewhere. And like, I mean, while we do. How do you feel about the genre that you're playing that we are used to? From what I'm used to, I don't know. Okay, I should kind of break this down because all the the, uh, the bands that Andrew named off that were his influences for writing all the Southpaw music. When he told me about them, I'm like, I don't know who any of these guys are. because mm. And like, even beyond that, I don't really listen to a lot of music. Um, like I don't have Spotify. Uh, I rarely, if ever, actually sit down to listen to music because that's the way I have to process it. Because I can't listen to music and try to do other things. I have to like sit down and try to digest it all. You, do, you break yeah. it down like because I went to damn movie yeah. school. So yeah, exactly. So I want to actually be critical class. of the music that I listen yeah. to, and I can't do that while I'm busy that's doing other for things. You. Yeah. So well, I mean, God bless podcasts. You can listen to radio. There you go. Yay! Yeah. So like I don't really listen to a lot of music, and um, I still haven't listened to a lot of these bands that Andrew's kind of like uh, 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 listed but off that, here. That means that what comes creative from you is going to come from like a pure place. Exactly, and I, I feel like better Wayne about that. Little Wayne never listened to anyone else. Led Zeppelin never listened to anyone else. They would yeah. just always do. They would listen themselves, and that was it. Yeah, and, and I they think would critique themselves and play what they felt better. I think it's a more they honest want any way. Other influences. Yeah, and so you are the heart of the house you're playing the drums you know you're you're keeping you're in the pocket right now it's not going to be influenced by any other yeah and i think it's it's a more honest way of writing music and um but you're not used to that because you're so used to like yeah because i I got my own ideas in my head and like what i like to do and i think to some extent i have developed my own personality for when i do play and that i think that every musician should have that because um, you you can't go out and try to reinvent the wheel by playing like something like uh, so technical. Because like, at the end of the day, that's pointless, mm-hmm. and it loses that artistic. If I kind of casual playing skills all day, I'm not. Yeah, you're just playing anything. exercise, man. You're not actually out yeah, there playing stuff, music. We were, we were trying to be tasty, we were tr- or tasteful. Um, I really. Love, I like tasty. I love to be honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like that. We're big, we're tasty, and we're rolling. And we're trying to like sound dancier. Um, 
and the whole goal with so I don't know how I'm gonna release it next year. I don't know if I'm gonna do like a whole five song EP. I'll probably do singles, like once every few months or what have you. Yeah. Um, just bank it and. But this first album, um, and I just started working on what's gonna be the second one. So this is like something that. Oh God! You already knocked the first. Yeah, one out. it's it's rolling. So, but this first album, all I wanted to do is I wanted to write songs in the vein of all my inspirations, but just write songs that I wanted to have fun playing live. Because there's a big difference between stuff. We've had stuff before. We've written in the studio, and it's gotten really good um, feedback and response. With the crowd. Exactly. But playing it it live sucks. Um, That happens all the time. But we would have certain songs. You get in this industry not to work. Yeah, exactly. That was the whole goal. To do it, God blessed you with. Yeah, if you believe in God or not or whatever, the higher power, or nothing, the fucking spirit that when you're burned out goes to. Yeah, that's. I mean, you're y'all are both so talented. There's no reason you should do anything else. Like this is your calling. If this is your calling, it's what you're meant to do. <laughs> you got to get out there and do it. Yeah, you have to crush it. Yeah, and you're you're crushing it. And oh god, I can't wait for this show. Can't it's gonna be show. a banger, dude. But like some of these songs, like they slap. They like slap, I think baby. Bender is my favorite song to play. If you go, if you call Bender, it, yeah, that's my favorite song to play that we're doing. Um, and just like the pocket that I get to, like all the like the creative freedom that I have, like it's it's different every time I play it. But I just feel it out. It's always in the pocket, and it just slaps. It, Which on the recording of Bender, Jason Harari played bass for that one. Very nice. He tracked bass on like three of my songs. Really nice. Yeah, we had yeah. him in the first session one day, and uh, yeah, he did some bass for us. He's a natural. Yeah. He can get in there and just... Yeah, he did great. It's like Josh McCown. You just go and read the defense <laughs> just fill and in, just figure <laughs> out an offense. Fitzpatrick yeah. just... Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's magic. Who's in... De- Where is he now? Oh, they're going everywhere. Oh, dude. So this is the part two, and this is amazing. I can't wait for this to show up. Um... I guess when they're listening to it, where are they going to find your next single? Can I um, listen to it anywhere? Not yet. You got to come to the show, and you'll be able to listen to stuff. I might have. We're going to have one Just single. Keeping it under wraps, y'all. All under wraps. Yeah, dude. we're, we're keeping it tight. We might have one single. Our first one. It's technically ready as of right now. Um, but I don't know when I'm going to release it. Just it just might be too fresh out of the oven that you can't touch the cookie. Got to let yet. it cool down a little bit. Yeah. You got to let yeah. it cool down or else you just pick it up. But come to the apart. show. You'll be able to see everything, you know, take videos or what have you so you can hear the songs and everything. I might have that single on flash drives to give out. I might. But it just depends. We got, we're doing so much stuff this week that it's like ridiculous. But we'll see. I'm just trying to survive this week, man. Like yeah, we're playing a, a double. He's, he's managing and like, like two of his... Co- his co-workers are out and like one guy's out of town in El Paso all week uh, we're already short staff one guy's out sick that I've already had to cover for a couple times so like work is an absolute nightmare and I'm also trying to make time for like several nights worth of rehearsals later in the week that I can't work evenings for so well, like, I, I'm losing one, my mind I, I 100% believe that you're not gonna like you're gonna do music for the rest of your life I 100% believe that it'll never not be a part of my life well, it so. will be a part. Like, it's going to pay the bills for both of y'all. We'll I, see. This this new project, and him and I talked about it. We were like, if we're going to do something else, we're not going to mess around. Like, yeah. we need we need to you know sound better than Full anything speed. else in town, and we need to try and make it, like, actually go for it. So we're putting our best foot forward. We'll see what happens. Yeah. That's amazing, guys. Um, all right. So we 
so we're gonna i got a question yeah it's kind of abrupt but i have, I have a question for y'all if y'all had to make and cook dinner for each other what would you cook for each other what would you cook him austin andrew what would you cook austin i gotta think okay do you know i gotta think about this too I don't make like we give, don't make food for each other. Like I can give you a hint. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You're gonna give him a hint. Kansas City. Oh. Okay. It's Patrick Mahomes, baby. It's not. Wait. I'm I unf- think so. Think. I'm unfamiliar with the cuisine of. No, Kansas think City. a tour. <sighs> Take a tour. I, I mean, I'm not it's familiar with the cuisine, but I think I know enough that I think I know what he's talking about. It's like the best food on earth. It's not that. It's not a staple of Kansas City. That's why it's hilarious. But the, like, I also wasn't on this tour either. So oh, that, that's right. You yeah. weren't there. Yeah, I wasn't there for this. Okay, we could talk about that. There was one tour that we didn't do because uh, Busby was not able to get off work, even though he had like months to ask off for, and he didn't <laughs> do it the very last second. I know that's so like the very yeah, last. Yeah. I've had books. I kind of messed. I screwed the pooch on that one. And uh-huh. so we had to ask a friend of ours named Trevor to come on, and it was hilarious, dude. Like, well, at, if it's any consolation, it made for a lot of really good stories. It did crazy stories, like, or not crazy, but just hilarious, dude. The kid, like, he ate McDonald's every single meal. What? No, no, no. Wait, okay. So I we heard got, he brought a bag just for shoes. He brought a, a huge bag for shoes that weighed like 40 pounds. Just full of... In a van, like we're trying to be economical about space and everything and stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious, all this. He brought a bunch of Jordans and shit with him? And a bunch of bright pillows and um, blankets. Or it was blankets. <laughs> bunch Brought a bunch of blankets. What? Yeah, he, he had never seen snow before, and we played up in Chicago. <laughs> Dude, I wasn't on the tour, and I still make this joke to him. Like, Every time anybody sees Trevor, we say, "Hey, Trevor, look snow." Yeah, because <laughs> um, we were like throwing snowballs face and like everything in uh, in Chicago and stuff. But he was a great sport. Um, but literally, like, you ate Shout fast food dude. and gas station food the whole time, right? And there was a point in the middle of the tour where this is what I was trying to talk about earlier. It's hard to stay healthy on tour, but you have to make a decision to do it. And he was literally at one point he was like, "I want to get something healthier." You know, I'm just I'm feeling like crap eating all this gas station food, and so. Yeah, we left say. the hotel and um, yeah. he went to a McDonald's <laughs> and got <laughs> because that might be marginally healthier than gas station food. Oh my! <laughs> Literally God. by the last show of that tour, I had to look back at him to make a lot of cues to because he had just learned our set. Like he was a yeah. he was a champ about the whole thing, but there was still stuff that we had to be like, okay, here's a cue for this. We're going to the bridge. We're going to the course, and I'd look back at him and I'd mm. give him signs. And at the very last show, he was literally like, he gave me that face where it's like, I'm dying. I, <laughs> I'm physically running out of gas. Like, yeah. I cannot do he this. He has no nutrients. If the whole thing had lasted eating like lard. two days later, he would be in a gravesite somewhere in Missouri. <laughs> oh, but God. Kansas City, um, I was, so I think the best hangover food ever is pho or pho or however you want to say it. Yeah. You know, that big yeah. soup. I should have th- th- thought about that. And... I've, well, we were playing. I don't know if we played Kansas City that day or we had played the night before. And we woke up the next day, and I was like, I have to get pho. Like, I have to get it. Like, I'm going to die if I don't have it. And so we found this one place, and this is in Kansas City where that is not a staple food. Like, you no. think barbecue, you think stuff. You do not think of it. So I we was going to say barbecue is what I thought. Yeah, was, I was going to guess barbecue too. Yeah, but, I was, not, uh, but I was we, mistaken. 100% is what I thought. We found this hole in the wall, sketchy as all get out, Vietnamese place. 
And not only that, but sometimes you get the pho and it it's not made yet. It's not put together yet. It's just there's the container with Some the broth. Some assembly required. There yeah. is the separate thing with the. I always get the brisket and the noodles. So there's the brisket and the noodles, and all all of them are separate. Brisket. Or they call and it the um, eye of. They call uh, it eye round steak. Yeah, eye of yeah. round steak or something like that. But it's basically brisket. Okay. Um, and so I get all these things separate, right? Mm. And the way that our logistics work, our timing was, we could not spend any time eating there. We had to go. So I ordered it for delivery before or carry out beforehand. We get there, I pick it up. I'm in the backseat of a nine passenger van trying to put this thing together. And we're going over, you know, bumps or whatever. <laughs> yeah. stuff, and I'm spilling scalding hot beef broth, beef broth oh my God. all over myself and everything. And that's the memory I have of oh, freaking man. Kansas City. I mean, I remember like in Florida, I think it was maybe Panama City. Uh, we got pho there too. Yep. I remember that. So yeah, I really should have thought about that. How many cities or states have y'all been together? Um, I didn't mostly go on, southeast. Uh, yeah, I didn't go on this tour with them, but they went all the way up to like Chicago. Um, but oh, yeah. yeah, mostly the southeastern U.S. So like all the southern states. Nice. We've been um, everywhere east. We have not done a west coast. You know, um, th- mainly because sounds like Southpaw's sound though is very gonna be like west coast we're very the stuff that the stuff that we sound like hits heavy like in my opinion in la and new york (laughs) yeah slaps (laughs) slaps um like all the bands that i love are from well they're not not of all of them from but the sounds are big in those two markets yeah so i don't know what's gonna happen as as stuff changed i obviously the 1975 is a huge influence they're not from the states they're from um manchester the uk united but like St. Lucia's <laughs> in New York. <laughs> yeah. Um, Foster the People's in L.A. right now. Even though Mark Foster and Walk the Moon, both of those guys are actually originally from Ohio, um, which a lot of good music comes out of there. Yeah, shout out. Dude, Black Keys. Black Keys? Akron. Yeah. yeah. A lot of great music comes out of Ohio and Michigan. But anyways, yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't know what's going to happen with this sound being actually played live in San Antonio. Because if I tell you, I mean, you've been around the scene long enough. If I tell you, like, what San Antonio bands sound like. Metal. You can think of. Sweaty it. metal. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's, like, literally, there's literally riffs and drum beats that I can hear, and I'm like, that just sounds like San Antonio. Mm-hmm. That sounds like our scene. Yeah. There's been a few outliers here and there and stuff, but not too much. This is going to be. It's something new totally and fresh. Different. And I, I, don't, I don't think even, like, uh, it's like, oh, this is something that no one else is doing. I don't think it any of it was really written uh, with the intention of like doing it just for the sake of it being something different. Because at the end of the day, if you try to write music to pander to people, then you're not going to make too many people really happy. So you have to make music that you're happy playing and that makes you feel good. And chances are, if, if it puts you in a good mood and you enjoy playing it, other people are really going to take notice and they're going to like it too. Yeah. So that, that's the right honest I think, way to I make think it. I think in the future with like the second album, because you know how bands like, what I've noticed is a lot of times their first album is a lot of the high energy, yeah. you know, bangers <laughs> and <laughs> stuff, <laughs> right? All the stuff they've been playing on the road forever. Exactly. But then like their sophomore album or the third one, that it's ends up being the chill. one that they're remembered for because they have like the heavier writing or the more developed songs. and Exactly. I think we'll probably end up doing something like that. This first one, I just wanted to have. I mean, I think you just want to get all those bangers out. You have them yeah. on your phone. Yeah, you're ready. Like, to release you got to come beats. out swinging. Yeah, from start to finish, the set for me, for all of us, is going to be. It's just a blast to play, and we're just hoping that translates out into the people that are it listening. Will. To it. If you give that energy out, it should come back. 
Whenever you get it back in return, itself, man. It's a yeah. good thing. As far as your food. Yeah. Man. I <laughs> do not know. Can you give me any sort of hints? I don't know if I even know because I think you guys know how much I like to eat. And you see what I'm capable of. <laughs> oh, we haven't even talked about this. This guy will mow down. Not only does like he seven thousand calories. Yeah, he'll do that. I and can do work. He'll man. do that in three minutes. Like just, and it, he'll just wipe his mustache and be all clean and stuff before half of these other half of us oh all like getting our yeah. food. Yeah, like I, I'll eat like twice as fast as everyone else, and like that's not me just um, trying to eat fast. This is just like I'm really hungry. I want to get rid of this feeling of hunger, and this is like the best thing ever yeah. to just stuff my face because this is a good time. It's for a me. primal thing. Like, but I it's guess, impressive. Yeah. You got to see it. It's a sight to be seen. It, will, it may frighten you. I, I get you on that. Yeah. I would have to, I don't know, a, uh, something from... Dude, I like a lot of food. Like A th- burger. Even for me, this is a tough question. Yeah. Some sort of burger. Yeah, if you're like, if you if you're like well-versed in the palate well, life. I, I do like the concept of a sandwich. <laughs> like, take a couple pieces of bread yeah, yeah. and put stuff inside of it. Oh. Um, Maybe I've had like debates about sandwiches for over an hour before. I'm not going to yeah. get into this. His too Instagram hard. handle is Salami Tsunami. That is anybody true. wants to go follow him. I mean, like, I guess like the handle original. Go follow him. Actually, yeah. yeah. Uh, click the link in the description. It will send you straight to his Instagram. Yeah. Go follow and him. You can go follow. look at his majestic mustache as well. I mean, honestly, my Instagram's like just really boring right now because I rarely post anything. But, you know, as as I get some more time to kind of, like, step away from work and, like, uh, kind of do other stuff, yeah, I will be ramping it up. But I never started my Instagram with the intention of just, like, gaining followers. It's like, okay, if I want to post something, cool. Like, I'm not doing it for anyone else but my own enjoyment. So. The whole Instagram game, I got on it when it very first came out. Yeah. Like some girl I was dating was like, "This is a picture app. You should try it." Dude, I made one by accident. So I've been on Instagram since day one, dude. I'm ground zero. I've I'm, been there since day one, <laughs> I and I like my- it. I love it. I love it. I get a lot of inspiration, and influence from. I follow just straight music accounts, either that or sports. Yeah. Oh, That's sports it. accounts are amazing. Mine it's is amazing. mostly guns. Uh, <laughs> lot, there's a lot of cars. Wasn't uh, actually expecting that. Some at music all. thrown in there as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just the content I want to see. So you you like enough pages. But I mean, like, yeah, there's there's a lot of really good car pages out there right now. Um, uh, I, I, know, I have man. all a couple of, like custom classics and all that yeah. kind of stuff. There, there's this one page I think it's like uh, Canepa Motorsports and like uh, they have mm-hmm. these like ultra rare like Porsches. Like they did they do these builds in like Porsche nine five nines and stuff and like. These are like the big dogs, man. Like I didn't know you're super into like cars. Oh yeah, like that absolutely. Um, and like I, I guess I'm kind of a Porsche fanboy. Like since I was 17, like my dream car has always been a GT3. And like one of these days, I'm gonna own what one. Color? <sighs> Depends on what generation, because you can never go wrong with uh, Carrera white. But if it's a 997 yeah. like RS Gen One, then like you're gonna have to go signal green. Like that's the only way. God, I could not drive around in that, but that's a dope ass. I mean, car. but it, it fits. If that's you my kinda, favorite color too. If but. you, well, the signal green actually the color comes from uh, traffic lights, like signal green. They also have signal yellow as a factory color option for some models. That's pretty dope. Yeah, but I also like the, the flat gray. Uh, I think it, some of those newer GT3s wear super well. But I had an engine in my Camaro. I had uh, painted that orange, that Chevy orange. Uh yeah, yeah, block, for sure. I spent a bunch of money on that for no reason, but yeah. it was cool. It was cool. When yeah. You the hood. 
Yeah, I, I know you have no idea what we're talking about, but actually, no one knows what I'm talking about. Mm. I'm just, I just nerd out on this stuff, and like, this is the stuff I need to see, and yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's how I live my life, man. Yeah, I'm about it, 100. percent Yeah, Absolutely. Instagram is probably my favorite of the platforms. It's the smartest, dude. I stopped using Snapchat, and then they basically had the thing for Snapchat, and then Facebook bought them, so all the features on Facebook, mm. the same on Instagram. Yeah, it's weird, man. Oh yeah, and I also see a lot of wristwatches. That's another thing I'm into. I like watches. Oh uh, yeah. Ooh, I like watches, bro. But like my favorite thing. Have stuff. you seen a celebrity oh. watch spotter? No, I haven't. But there's I a page that. called Celebrity Watch Spotter, and I think that's so interesting. I like watches too, but uh, yeah. my favorite thing to do. So the page is what they'll do is they'll take a picture of so and so, like Floyd Mayweather or some sort of famous person or athlete is spot wearing this watch and they'll have a picture of them wearing it and then they'll have the picture of the watch itself and then they always list the price under it and some of that stuff is just Ridiculous. like a million dollars for a watch or like you know three hundred thousand they're just like yeah i can't even imagine three hundred thousand dollars for a watch oh yeah like if you, you look know at some houses in san antonio you could buy with that like a have lot. you seen john Build Mayer's a skyscraper have you seen uh anything from john Mayer's collection no like do a so he's a he's a watch Connoisseur, um, yeah, yeah, like um, uh, a, huh. about a quarter of his net worth is tied up in watches. What? Because yep. like for him, um, like uh, like uh, the just watches and horology as like a philosophy. He wants to understand everything there is to know about that. Uh, so that's kind of what drives his collection, just the pursuit of understanding it more. Um, it, there's actually some pretty interesting videos if you really want to get nerdy. Uh, there's a publication called Hodinkee. And uh, they started this series with John Mayer as uh, called Talking Watches. And then five years later, uh, maybe a few months ago, they did Talking Watches 2 with him. And he goes into like, uh, okay, like at first I thought this watch was ridiculous, but then you see it in the right place and you're like, ah, I get it. So that that's kind of what collecting watches is to him. It's like, ah, I understand it now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, see, if you watch his shows, he's wearing a different one every Yeah, and he's always show. got like a Patek Philippe's and like all these Rolexes. He has a huge Rolex collection. Oh, probably yeah. Like he's got the market, dude. This guy's got a rainbow Daytona. Like he actually owns one of those, like that crazy bejeweled thing. And like, until he kind of said something about it, I was always like, that's so ridiculous. Why would anyone get that? But then he kind of made some points about it. It's like, ah, I get it. So yeah, that, wow. You're blowing my mind on this John Mayer stuff. I'm a big John Mayer fan. I haven't followed him recently. No, are you going to see him? It's a lifelong pursuit for him. He's coming in. He's coming in three weeks. I saw him in no seven. I paid so much for this. Oh, that was the continuum seats. years. That was the good year. Uh, <laughs> when did we see him? Like spent so much damn money on that concert. For just have you seen one him? Of the I've seen him f- three times. I only saw him once. We went like I want to say saw him in Dallas. Yeah, Dallas in like 2013 yeah, for the Ben Race. Was it Born Race tour? Uh, yes. Yeah. That's yeah, which show. is my probably the least favorite of his albums, but it's still good. It's a weird. I one. saw him this most recent new one that he came out with. Uh, my wife and I saw him in New York at uh, MSG. And new album's awesome. Get Steve Jordan on drums, Pino Palladino. I'm I'm jealous be- just because yeah. Steve Jordan was on drums. Yeah, no, it was incredible. Except I don't I like him for the trio stuff. I don't like him for the big band stuff. I prefer JJ Johnson Pil- or he has a He was playing with P- D- Palladino or whatever when I saw him. Yes, that's when he that was like two years after he first started playing with them. Which yeah. in itself is a huge hookup because Pino has played for the Who, he's played for like yeah. The who's is just crazy thing. people. The fact that John was able to get both of them in a room with them and was like, let's yeah. do this. Because at the time he was, you know, closer to our age then, you know, just some kid just, yeah. I want to do a blues trio, blah, blah, blah. But no, it was really he good. Killed it. I want to see him this time around because I follow him a lot. 
his chops right now are on a whole nother level. Like I he's, believe it. He's incredible always. You know, and everyone, right when now, I was like younger too, I would like guitar friends of mine would be like, "You listen to John Mayer?" And be like, "Do you have no clue? This guy's guitar a actual players know, guitar dude. player. Guitar players know. Yeah, guitar players know. Guitar they players have, really have, know. Every guitar player has a little soft spot for John Mayer. Everyone does. You have to. I mean, and he, him, and if you listen to him and even the way he sings, especially back in those days or before yeah. that, he got a yeah. lot of his voicings and stuff from Stevie Ray. He did. On guitar, even the scratchiness of some of the stuff. It's like he tried to take Stevie Ray's voice and like make it like 2006. I want to get a bunch of pull and like all the women and blah, blah. He even admitted when he came out with like his actual album, like Continuum, he was like, I did pop to get y'all's attention. Now you're going to listen to me. I thought when I listened, I, I heard that interview and I was like, this guy's so full of himself. And then I heard the album. And I was like, no, he's not. No, but yeah, also, he can back it up. He can back it up. No, he really can. And his, but his band he right can. now is the bee's knees. Like well, the he's people like, he's got. He's he, basically like Elvis right now. Like he can afford the best musicians. He's like Dolly Parton. Yeah. You know, he's a, whatever. Like any big hit songwriter, like now, you choose. Now he gets to do whatever he wants to do, but the catch is that it's actually very good. Yeah, he's got Pino on bass. Mm-hmm. He's got um. There's a there's a, a I don't want to call him a kid because I think he's a little bit older than me, but his name is Isaiah Sharkey, mm-hmm. and he's this black guy that his main style is like neo neo kind of funk R and B. Just the voicings are just tasty as all get out Hell yeah. and he's on tour with him nothing again slaps time. anymore what, what, just fyi uh, everything's just tasty now dude it's just tasty and you can't argue with tasty no it's just good it doesn't even slap david, it's just tasty he's got dude. david ryan harris and then i That's cannot big remember tasty. the drummer what's his name it's, it's that like white aaron guy something aaron's sir i cannot remember the name but he is he's grown on me a lot yeah and he also I plays like some of my lot. favorite drums ever like he he plays a sugar percussion kit and like one day i want to own one of those so bad um and like i follow the guy's instagram and like i i comment on his stuff and like he's he's got a great sense of humor but every like those those drums like they're stave drums he makes all of them by hand in a small workshop in la and what like, yeah sugar percussion um, they're all stave, so like rather than like plies, dude, blow them up. Talk to me, dude. Uh, with sugar percussion, um, handmade. There's stave drums. He makes them all on his own, no one else. Um, and there's like slats of wood that like he kind of glues into a, a circle, like vertically, and then he like uh, machines them out and makes it a perfectly round drum shell. Um, but they're just amazing sounding drums, and like they just have soul to them. Mm-hmm. And like the the guy that runs them, uh. Uh, he's got the Holy Spirit in those he, hitters. He, he's he comes from a background of like he played drums, but he made uh, like high end furniture. Uh, so they're oh, nice. So he's like, he's an actual like craftsman. Yeah, he's a, he's a legitimate craftsman. He can build a table. He's a carpenter. Yeah, he also he also posts a lot of the weird furniture that he makes, and like they're just works of art. And the drums are no different. So uh, I mean, just because of that, and like he's got a good sense of humor, and he's just a generally nice guy. So. They're expensive, but I mean, one day I'd like to own a sugar percussion. But yeah, uh, that's like me wanting to own like a '73 Stingray or something. Yeah, I mean, you just look at it and it is art. It looks like expensive furniture. Just that something he also makes. Yeah. So yeah. Some people have expensive furniture and call them yeah. cats. But we should go, dude. <laughs> we should go see him. I do what I want to. You want to go? I want to go. I actually I still um, haven't gotten tickets yet. Dude, I haven't either. I, I told uh, my girlfriend, I was like, uh, hey, I was thinking about getting some John Mayer tickets. And she's like, who's that? 
What? Yeah, I know. How's my brain not fall on my ears right now? I don't know, man. It, it hit me. It hit me a little bit. Oh, my God. It's like, Maroon 5? Who's that? What? That's crazy. I thought he'd be like a household name at this point, but you know, I, I thought guess so. Not. But I guess like he kind of fell off. I, like, if you're not a musician, yeah, I mean, or a John Mayer fan, you're not talking about John Mayer. Yeah, it's it's just True. not something she listens to. So, People, like, kids, I get it. kids nowadays have Sean Mendes. He's like the 13 year old new John Mayer. Oh, hmm. Sean Mendes. Never heard of him. You guys don't know who either. that is? No. He's like huge right now. But he's like I he's like 19. He's from Canada. He's like. But I, I almost did the same thing you're talking about. I really don't listen to a lot of music. The yeah. shit I have on my phone is things I love. Yeah. Like, I don't like. It's weird when I say this, but it's like, dude, my favorites in life are already filled up now. Like, I already have favorite songs. I don't need you know. At this point, you're gonna have that. There's actually a study that was done, like, and why we still identify with music that we grew up with, and like uh, the study, to, like. I'll have to look it up because, like, I'm just like remembering that I read this. You um, can give bro science out; it's cool. It, yeah, it's bro totally science. bro science. But um, people, like, depending on no, their generation no. and when they're young, like, uh, we still identify with like Linkin Park and like sort oh, of yeah. new metal thing because, like, at that age bracket, it's like I think it's like 12 to 14 or somewhere in there. One and, of like, the best receptions of a karaoke song ever was Linkin Park. Like, in the end, yeah, if you play in the end anywhere. It still slaps. At our age, dude. Hybrid Theory so was one of the best yeah. albums ever. Hybrid Theory is still one of my favorite albums. It also, one of the most successful of all time, if not the most successful. I think that brings a lot of nostalgia. In that genre, yeah. probably yeah. Yeah, has to be. So I mean, they're enough to get Jay Z on the second one. Sweet yeah. Jesus. Uh, but I mean, like in this but age that whole bracket, song yeah. was, the whole album was so different and out there it's like yeah you can listen to pod you can listen to system of a down you can listen to iowa by you know slipknot or whatever that was big yeah. the same time that album was popping when it came out it slapped so hard dude yeah and everyone liked it rappers liked it people that like reggae liked it It did everything uh, rock and roll loved it people that love pop loved it it just yeah. hit kind of like what sublime did like you when you hear like stories about people used to go to like sublime shows they'd be like you would see rappers there. You'd see every. You'd see every genre at that one show. Yeah, it was like really the right sound at the exact right time. Yeah, and I feel it all really came bad together. for Sublime because oh of, god, yeah. Because you know, missing out on Bradley, he was so much better than Rome, like their new guy. I mean, that guy can hold it up, but he was just like, like a transcendent generational the talent. Only, the only singer I ever met, or not ever met, but ever know of, there's two. That went on to like fulfill the shoes of the band that was bigger than they were. ACDC. I l With the second guy? He worked. Yeah. He actually worked. Yeah. They did they did the black album and everything. That actually worked. And then Journey. Like that Asian kid yes. they had. That Asian Dude, guy. Dude, I was I've, I like that level. guy more than I mean Dude, and he apparently was like a famous journey karaoke guy or something. Not only that, did you ever Cover watch band. the documentary? Yeah. yeah. Did you ever watch no, the documentary? No, There's a not. full documentary on the whole process. Oh, sweet Jesus. Never mind. You and know before, way more than I do on this thing. Well, before he... And now, the crazy thing to think about it is he's been in the band over a decade now. He was probably so in the decade like, when he went in. Well, he... Well, he was uh, like 16 years old. <laughs> yeah. And before that, not only was he just a, a covered gigger in Manila in the Philippines or somewhere in the Philippines, but apparently he was like an alcoholic and he had a bunch of problems and stuff. He's like super clean now. And then Journey 
sees videos of him and their guitarist reaches out to them and he tries out and they documented the whole thing. There's a That's documentary amazing. on it. I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, I want to see it. It's so good. What and they, they talked about his first show. I think it has it's, it's like called Don't Stop Believing or something like that. Okay. It probably it, is. it like pays it, it pays I'm tribute to one of their songs, I think. But they go over his first show, like the jitters that he had, and he just goes out and he just kills it. And um yeah, for such a small guy. That's Don't a big stop voice. believing every man's journey. Yeah, it's available. Highly rated. 2012. It's a great rated R. 2012? Yeah, see, it's been a minute. Yeah. And yeah, then the ACDC guy, did you hear him? I think it was two well, years bon ago. Scott's the OG. Yes, absolutely. And then was it McDonald that came in? Some, I think it was his last name. Well, that guy, they, they told, the doctors told him two years ago that if you keep playing music, you're going to be deaf. You're already almost completely deaf. Where, if you keep playing any more shows, you're gonna be p- past the point of no return. So he stopped, and then they had Axl Rose. Did you hear about that? No. They had Axl Rose fill in recently. I'd never heard any of it, so I don't know how it went Dude, or can what you have you. Axl Rose playing the entire like Black Album or something. I don't I'd know, lose man. my shit to be honest. Oh my god, I'm a huge Guns N' Roses fan, but they honestly, in my books, only have one good album. Mm-hmm. I was watching just literally a couple nights ago. There's a documentary also is either on Netflix or Prime of just about Slash. And did you know because of all that I stuff do- over I, the years? I have his like his book. I have his autobiography and I read it. It's pretty fucking intense, man. He's got a pacemaker. Well, he died. Really? Well, he like died and they revived him. He was dead for like six minutes, man. That's, That's crazy. Talk. He talks about his book. He mm-hmm. came back from that. But it's living hard. Could you imagine? No, I dude. love him as a guitar player because, like, when you're talking about adding finesse or like character and like yeah. personality into your like playing. Yeah, he's a guy that, as a guitar player, you can actually hum his riffs to people, and they know what you're talking about. And that's if I went, and you know, it's like, like he has like tone. He's got like something that sets in. And if you can make something that is that catchy and sets so well in your memory that it becomes like not only a household name but a household riff like can you imagine or if you wrote like the riff to Mr. Brightside like or something like that like that's like always the kind of success that I've always like that that's what you dream about like I remember Mm. one time like uh I think I was like at a discount tire or something and I was outside waiting for them to finish my car. And like, I think there's like a Popeye's next door and they had music playing in his like journey or something. Did like, they have a chicken huh. sandwich or I don't, yeah. this is back. <laughs> that like, this is years and years ago, but I was like, like they're just playing the outside. Like it has gotten is permeated that far to where like, it's just like that far outside of radio or just people listening to it. It's, played that far outside those realms and it's like like how can you even even imagine being that successful like to where you're I played- just imagine how you hear his solos of perfect pitch I hear it and it sounds great I don't even have close to perfect pitch I don't know man so it, it, that just means that like that tree is even tastier for you I guess so man yeah it's gotta be I think the best well actually I shouldn't say I know because I don't have perfect but I have relative 
and I love it. Like, I think that is the most practical thing in the world. If you have to jump into something and you're like, you got to get up to speed and you, you're like, we're playing this. We're in the key of this. It starts on the one thing with four or five and you just know. That's, how, that's what I know. But that was like years of they. I played actually in churches for a long time. And then when I started playing jazz band. Like the church has taught me the chord progressions, and the jazz band's like, I'm going to fuck them, make them weird. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is going to be an E, and... it's going to be an E minor seventh with a sharp nine with your pinky, and you're going to move it back and forth real quick for like these notes. Yeah. Like, ugh. Oh, don't miss it though. But I think it, you know, it, I'm not even close. I don't even consider my musician to what y'all do. Like, y'all are actually like a living band, dude. Like, you're a rocking living soul, dude. That's what y'all are. And it's like, it, it's hard to kind of think about yourself in that way because like I'm just some dude that's just trying to play music. Like that's all I've ever really thought of myself. Like I'm not gonna be like uh, I'm not changing the world or anything. I'm just trying to have a good time, and that that's all I think of myself as. And it is also crazy. You work like hours and hours and days and months, and at this point, almost years for a thirty minute set. Yeah. For oh my freaking God. Yeah, 45 right. minutes. Isn't that just like, just yeah. the ratio of that? It's like a an art that you've painted and you have 45 minutes to display it. And that's... And you hope that people like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. You're laying it all out there. Yeah. And you got to have thick skin playing music. And that's one of the big lessons that you learn when you play music for so many years. And like, you have to be okay with the fact that Sometimes you're, gonna you're criticized. gonna yeah you're gonna you have to be open to criticism and even if it's like a really negative like non um, constructive comment it's like you got to be okay with that not well, everyone's you have to have things because think about like where do you create music from it's from like your intimate vulnerable yeah your emotional your heart, self essentially exactly from most songs it's like from places of or insecurities or places of emotional certain situations and stuff. You got to write about that and then you got to create something and then you got to present it to a bunch of people and then hope they don't just and then hope they don't shit on it and just pitchfork it. it. Yeah. Like it's a it's a weird thing if you really think about it like that. And then don't even get me started on trying to make money on any of it nowadays. Like it's all streaming. Yeah. And you know, the ratios of all that. Has anybody ever talked about that on Spotify? If you if you get a million streams, you get between three and five thousand dollars. For a million streams, well, back in the day, industry if you standard on the three sixty deal used to be nine cents to the dollar, and then you would distribute that nine cents among everyone in the band and, ro- and people that wrote it. Now on Spotify, it's point zero zero four three. It's either point zero zero four three or point. Oh, so that sounds the like thing. the right number that I read a while back. That sounds about right. I mean, yeah. it's essentially the same thing of as a, like three of cents. a cent for no no no. It's not three cents. It's point zero zero four three. It's either point zero zero four three or point zero zero four six three of a penny. Oh my god! Per it's, stream, it's low, man. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and they it's just low. decided that from the beginning. There was no like, there needs to be some class well, action. They, it's they, an they, arbitrary number. Yeah, but they had to like keep, they had to protect themselves as a business. Yeah, I mean that's why I went I went to SAC for music business for two years. I never ended up finishing it because. I like audio engineering school. That was fun as fuck. Yeah. I'd go back again just for fun. Yeah, there you go. You no, know, I would. I, I love it. But music business, dude, the reason I stopped because I basically had a teacher one day. I was like, you never know, like, the grade. It's not about the grades you make. It's about the hands you shake. And then two weeks later, 
he was gone touring for like a Spanish Grammy or whatever, like a Latin Grammy award. And we had a substitute for the rest of the year who never taught this class, but taught business. No clue about the music industry. Teach me basically basic business for like another six months. I was like, are you kidding me? Can you blame that guy though? No, he did exactly what he was talking about. Yeah. You got to get it and where he you can. He started touring with someone who won a Latin Grammy. And that's, he was no, done. but that's what I was going to say. So because of streaming and everything, for the consumer, it's incredible. You can get anything you want immediately. Oh, I'm thinking of this song. I don't even need to Shazam it anymore. I can just yep. you know, freaking pull it up. Um, for the artist, it is horrible. It is so horrible because you spend hours and hours, thousands. It's a ruthless industry, man. To make whatever it is. The only way to make money now is if you... You can when you release something like literally Panic Division. Colton did this. He didn't. He released his album, which is called Touch, which everybody should go and check out. Um, and he released it. And what he did to his distributor is he said, "Do not put it on the streaming sites first. Put it on iTunes first, which you still pay like ninety nine cents a song. Put it on Bandcamp, which is like you list your you list your price." But not only that, if a person feels inclined to do so, they can pay more for something, like if they love it too much. And a lot of people did that for him. And what he did is he's like, delay putting me on the streaming stuff for a month. And what ended up happening is he just posted about this the other day. He was talking about it. People that wanted his album, he was like, are you going to wait a month for it? And they're like, nope. And they straight up bought it. And he actually made... A good amount back, which he deserves too. So I feel right now because I'm waiting for Chappelle's new stand-up tonight. Ah. Drops at midnight. If I could have paid ten bucks Friday, I've been I've watched it ten times already. And it's like it it allows you an opportunity to kind of support that artist as well. Mm -hmm. So like, but that's the thing with this industry. Like all the music goes to that though. You have to do not tricks, but you got to play the game like that. It's a game. And then you have to sell merch, and you have to have cool ass merch. Well, that's what it is. It's it's live. The biggest thing is live shows, live and merch, shows and merch. Which we're gonna get to. My whole goal is to. That's all I want to do is play live. Some some artists want to write because they want to release stuff and everything. Like I know Colton. You know we've been working together for a while. He just wants to release stuff just to release it. Like it's a passion project for him. He might play a couple live shows, but I don't think he will anytime soon. With this, for me, Southpaw is literally the opposite. I just want to play. Yeah, like because like for those, that's that's the main goal. There's a quote I I can remember it. It's from Hunter S. Thompson. He says the music industry is a shallow, cruel money trench, where pimps and thieves run free and good men die like dogs. Yeah, but there's a negative side. Yeah, (laughs) and that was his whole deal on it, and that's what made me quit going to school for it. But now y'all, y'all have to make a promise to me right now. So when y'all blow up so crazy on South Southpaw and everything, y'all you still gonna come over and like record? Dude, yeah. Yeah, we would love to. For sure. Like, okay. We gotta get some of the other guys in. I'm sure gonna have to like call and like make some crazy calls, go into like LA or something like that. But y'all are gonna I will never be too good to come bring you a twelve pack of white claws. (laughs) Actually, thank you for that as well. We'll have to get a couple of the other people in here too. Like my sisters, my sister's a hoot. Dana, uh Chano is hilarious. You gotta meet never, Chano, man. Just, just never get too big for the table, man. You know. You need more microphones, man. Like, we need more to people. The point. <laughs> no, if you keep growing, we were talking about this earlier. You should not only have more mics, but you should get a producer. How cool yeah. would it be if you could just tell somebody, like, 
I, I did it. Jamie, when I very pull first that up. Started. Jamie, do this. Jamie, like whatever yeah. Joe does. Oh, yeah, like Joe Rogan has that. It's like he has a guy for that. Yeah, it's What's dope. That? I would like one. Yeah, it'd be dope. In but, due time. I mean, in due time. Y- y'all blow up before I get a producer. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see who blows up first. <laughs> all right, all right. It's a ticking time bomb of success right now. Dude, thank everyone that's listening right now. And we're going to see y'all Saturday night. Yeah. Two bar of Embassy Oaks, San Antonio, Texas. Look it up. Eventbrite.com. Search the Black Market Club and South Paul. Spell like the French. Spell spell Paul like you're spelling it like you're French. S-O-U-T-H-P-A-U-X. I spelled it weird. That fancy Frenchy spelling. Yeah, but uh, follow the pages on Instagram, um, the Black Market Club, and uh, Southpaw. And follow St. Dukes. They are an incredible band. They got kind of an 80s retro vibe, which is why I wanted to put them on. They're awesome. They're also one of the hardest working bands. They're playing every single week here, dude. And they got like seven members. They're killing it. Uh, Go check them out. You're going to love them. Dope. St. Dukes and Mac Damon, Stone Street Sound. Stone Creek Sound. Stone Creek Sound. Do thank all y'all, and uh, we'll have the boys back in here soon. Do thank y'all for listening. Uh, as always, follow She Tastes Like Texas on Instagram.com and Domcast210. And we're going to go out just like that. Do you have Sprite with this, bruh? Do you have Sprite with this? Yeah, let's bust it open. I don't even think there's claws left, dude. I think we uh, ran a mound all those claws. Oh, yeah. Good. I don't think there's anything left. Actually, I can't even believe we did that. (laughs) (laughs) Claw daddies and babies. (laughs) I hope you're in your car right now. Just driving down the highway. Not drinking tequila. Uber San Antonio.